Joyce is very upset. Flo, she... Flo, we've discussed this. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Chief, she's coffee in your... and contemplation. Flo. disaster like eating a burrito before sex hello and welcome to another exciting thsp adventure tonight we take a look back at two arnold schwarzenegger horror themed films in our episode called that end of days the end of that end of days for maggie episode chris and i will discuss end of days a 1999 action horror themed thriller set in new york city at the height of the y2k crisis wow does anybody remember that time oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah remember you guys gonna buy a bunch of bottled water and reset your vcr to zero uh or, hopefully you'll be or 19, to... oh, sorry 1976 go on what were, you saying? <laughs> what were you saying chris no i mean and hoard your money and like you know, yes hopefully the world didn't end by then well, oh my god yeah take so your take your money out of the banks and put it in your mattress buy 18 gallons a bottle of water and you know reset your vcrs in 1976 so the robots don't overtake the universe <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> or something to that effect. I remember that it was crazy. Okay, <laughs> and his more <laughs> and his more indie film Maggie from 2015, where he plays a distraught father trying to save his teenage daughter's life. All this in a brand new kids' corner with Nate, where we discuss Godzilla vs. King Kong. So, Chris, how the hell are you, sir? I am just fine, and uh, I am totally enjoying this. 93 degree uh, weather we're getting right now. Uh, I'm so looking forward to getting back into the pool season. Uh, Hopefully that will be all right. And, you know, we won't be uh, assaulted by another virus anytime this, this year. Chlorine kills everything. It's fine. (laughs) Well, hopefully it does. Yeah. And, you know, just getting the yard ready. I actually just finished putting mulch down in the garden. You know, I mean, you know, if you want to hear me talk about my boring garden stories, you know, I'm not going to tell on this show because I think we have more interesting things to talk about. But stay tuned uh, to garden, Chris, Chris, gardening with Chris on his next podcast. <laughs> yes. You just take this bag of mulch, you throw it in there and then you do nothing else. That's about it. Just soak up the sun. and <laughs> Hopefully your job will be over and done with. But <laughs> besides that, not much else going on right now. Just still working, getting, uh, you know, obviously been promoting the, um, promoting our podcast. We are like, you know, Tim, what's funny? What season are we on again? Is this like our eighth? Eighth? Eight? Yeah. Our eighth. Oh my God. We've been around. Oh, geez. I, I feel like the uh, what's the guy's uh, the, the the commercial the actor who who says the for the uh, insurance company like we've been around a while because, or we've seen a thing or two because we've done a thing or two or something like that. I feel like that's us. Are you think about the Geico commercial? No, no, no. It was um, not the Geico commercial. That's the lizard. No, it was um, 
the guy who plays uh, Jameson on the the uh, Spider-Man uh, movies. Oh, okay, okay. Dun 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 dun. dun. Oh, right, right. But uh, yeah. you know, though, that that little lizard is voiced by a human, so I mean, yes. you know. Yes. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. That's the that's the that's the tagline. Okay, <laughs> going on. Continue on. No, but uh, besides all that, I mean, I I I'm ready for this episode. It's interesting, uh, and we'll talk a little more about this, but. Um, I think out of all the action stars of the like eighties and nineties, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has to be the one that holds the record for doing action genre crossovers. Oh yeah. <laughs> Probably more so than any of the other ones. I mean, well, more you... so than either Stallone or um, Chuck Norris or Jean-Claude Van Damme or Dolph Lundgren or whoever else you can think of. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the guy literally has a machine gun in space and total recall. <laughs> He's got a machine gun pretty much everywhere. It, it's fascinating. <laughs> as much as he bridges the gaps between horror and sci-fi and action and comedy, I mean... He's always got a gun. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't remember one in Twins or Kindergarten Cop. Well, Kindergarten Cop, he probably had a gun, but not a machine he gun. He was a cop undercover. Yeah, but not a machine gun. He didn't, he didn't have something we could... You know, have a grenade launcher and launch it, you know, through a building. <laughs> oh, but he does. But he does crash a um, a private um, brownstone bar with, uh, I think, with an Uzi. <laughs> As I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen Kindergarten Cop, so. <laughs> but I do remember that scene. <laughs> and then he tries being all tender with this female witness. It's <laughs> not a tumor. <laughs> But uh, besides me being excited for this episode, Tim, how about you? What else? What, what have you got going oh, on, sir? Well, as as the school year is winding down, summer's amping up, and where I work, it's uh, you know, it's it's chaotic. It's wonderful because there's only like two weeks of school left. Where you know our uh, our last day is like June third, and um, the the kids are feeling it. The staff is feeling it. Everyone is just kind of like ready to ready for summer break to begin uh, in one shape or way, or one form or another. Um, and the kids are doing well. My daughter, I want to give a shout out to my daughter, Gabby. She just t- turned eight on May 12th uh, of this recording. It's May 14th. So happy birthday to my, my, uh, my little girl. She's eight. And, uh, but other than that, yeah, just uh, sports and dance and gymnastics. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a never ending cycle, which is, it's a good thing to have. It's just, you're always busy. <laughs> well, and and also considering that we had the past two years of um, you know uh, the coronavirus sort of yes. spoiling our fun. Yes, now we're, we're all trying to catch back up. We're all making up for life. it, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I want to also give a shout out to my son's t- t- uh, baseball third and fourth grade baseball team, the the Hornets. They had their first. Uh, Baseball victory of uh, game one of the season. They beat the other team, the Red Fury, seven to one. A game that was called due to lightning <laughs> because we we had some really bad storms last Wednesday come ripping through uh, our, our beloved little village, and we're out there. And the and this is the first year for kid pitch for a lot of the kids. So before it goes coach pitch, first tee ball, then coach pitch, and then kid pitch. And, um, and this is the first year for them. So imagine these kids that never pitched before or have, or maybe have limited, very limited pitching, but they're pitching to other kids, but in like 25, 30 degree wind or not degrees, but wind, winds, winds coming left and right. 
The, it was kicking up sand in my face. I mean, the kids, the everything, the flags were just flapping, and like we're out there playing so many walks. <laughs> <laughs> we had like one or two hits, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was a great experience, and uh, we're back at it uh, next Wednesday. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, it's just a lot of running around and uh, and preparing for this podcast, which I gotta say, I had a um, I had a ton of fun with this <laughs> re- revisiting this movie I hadn't seen in oh quite a few years. Yeah. And, I was trying to figure out because I swore I had not seen this movie, but when I watched it recently, I uh, it, something like something like was just coming back to me. Like maybe I'd seen this at a friend's house like years and years ago. It just looked so familiar. Or maybe the storyline just seemed like it was familiar, but I, I swore it looked it looked like I had seen this movie before. But whatever. I mean, yeah. it was it was interesting watching it too. Well, so. <laughs> so and as we were talking off of air, I, we were talking about this movie, and we'll, we'll, we'll delve, 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 add, delve quickly deeper into it. But when I was watching this and for the first time in forever, I'm like, man, I got the distinct feeling of, oh my god, this is, could have been like almost kind of like a, almost like a, a, a part in the family of God told me to the, the movie we reviewed. I think from our first season or second season. No, uh, it might have been our second season. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was back when we recorded at the studio. So yeah, yeah because it was it had to deal with New York and dealing with you know Satanists and devils and all that good stuff. <laughs> Except here it's in total action movie mode. Yes, this time with more Arnold and more yeah. machine guns. <laughs> you want it, you got it. <laughs> I would have loved to have been in the pitch room for, to hear them talk about this, you know, how they pitched this whole concept, because I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that there were some people that were just like, oh, come on. This is right. And, and we'll get into it. But I yes, just say. right. So, yes, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this delectable Arnold Schwarzenegger double feature, uh, we're going to uh, excuse me. We're going to head over to the Kids' Corner with Nate, and then we'll roll that trailer for End of Days, and then we'll be back with Chris's wonderful synopsis. We'll be back after these brief moments. Hi, I'm Nate, and welcome to Kids' Corner with my dad, Tim. Hey, that's me! Uh, Kids' Corner will cover family-friendly films and TV shows. And maybe not-so-family-friendly movies. (laughs) So, listen in! only chance. We have to take it. We need Kong. The world needs him. To stop what's coming. And this child. She's the only one he'll communicate with. to protect her and I think that in some way Kong did the same Godzilla. 
he's hurting people, and we don't know why. There's something provoking him that we're not seeing here. I'm of the same opinion. The myths are real. Yeah. There was a war. And they're the last ones standing. I keep reaching for greatness because I'm built from it. Who bows to who? Nobody gonna stop for me. Here we go. Kong bows to no one. Hi guys, welcome back to Kids Corner. It's Nate, and I'm joined by my father, Tim. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting uh, segment of Kids Corner. Ah. So, Nate, what are we be reviewing today and talking about? Huh. I wonder. We're, we're listening to, you're listening to Homer Simpson, the finale. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're listening to King Kong vs. Godzilla from 2021, not the 1980, something, something. Okay. Take it away, Dad. Oh, you want me to read the fine synopsis from provided to us by Wikipedia? Yes, please. Okay. All right, Nate, I will, just this once. Godzilla vs. King Kong is a 2021 American monster film directed by Adam Wingard, a sequel to Kong Skull Island from 2017 and Godzilla King of the Monsters from 2019. It is the fourth film in the Legendary's, in the Legendary's Monsters universe, the 36th film in the Godzilla franchise, and the 12th film in the God King Kong franchise, and the fourth in the Godzilla film to be completed and produced by a Hollywood studio. The film stars Alexander Skotsgard. Uh, Skarsgård, sorry, Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Brown, M Millie Bobby Brown from uh, Stranger Things fame, Rebecca Hall, Br Brian, Terry Henry, Shun Orgy or Orgy, Eliza Gonzalez, Julia Denson, Lance Reddick, Kyle Chandler, and Delma Blair. In the film, Kong clashes with Godzilla as a humans lure the ape into Hollow Earth, which is basically Middle Earth for you. Lord of the Rings fans. Yeah. To retrieve a power source for a secret weapon to stop Godzilla's mysterious rampages. Let's see here. The project was announced in October of 2015 when Legendary Pictures declared plans for a shared cinematic universe between Godzilla and King Kong. The film's writer's rooms was assembled in March of 2017 with Wingard was an, and Wingard was announced as a director in May of 2017. Principal photography began in November of 2018, Hawaii, Australia, and Hong Kong, and wrapped in April of 2019. Okay. After being delayed from November 2020 release date due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Godzilla vs. Kong was theatrically released internationally on March 24, 2021. In the United States on March 31st, where it was also released on HBO Max simultaneously. The film generally received positive reviews from critics with praise for the visual effects and acting action sequences, but criticisms towards the human characters. It broke several pandemic box office records and grossed over 468 Point two million dollars worldwide against a production budget between 155 and 200 million dollars and a break-even point of 330 million dollars making it the eighth highest grossing film of 2021 the film also was a streaming hit becoming the most successful launched item in the hbo's uh hbo's max history i'm sorry the film was also a streaming hit becoming the most successful launch item in HBO Max's history until it was overtaken by Mortal Kombat. A sequel is in the develop is in development. So Nate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
do you, uh, generally, generally speaking, overview real quick. Thumbs up, thumbs down for this film. Um, I would give it a thumbs to, like, kind of up and kind of down. Like, so a thumbs in the middle. Yeah, pretty much. Just because I think they could have added more characters besides King Kong and Godzilla, like, um, like, more characters in a human perspective. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah and that's a, that's a good yeah. that's a good. Uh, there was really uh, only like three or four main characters. That's a, besides that's, King Kong and Godzilla. That, that's a good uh, observation. Um, I actually out of the, all the all the sequ- uh, the the films, I believe this is one of the weakest one next to the first Godzilla from I think twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Yeah. I I particularly didn't like it. I yeah. thought it was very muddled. I didn't like the whole addition of Middle Earth, or, or what, it, what do they call it, Hollow, Hollow, Earth. Hollow Earth, I thought that was just kind of, it was kind of like, in my opinion, a ripoff of Lord of the Rings yeah, with like, Middle Earth. Like, why did they spend all that time to go down to come back up to defeat, like, to, like, help yeah. defeat God, help defeat Robo-Godzilla. Yeah, I, I get that the fact that the, the it was, again, humans being the evil villain at the end of the day, um, but I just, I just didn't feel it. I didn't like it that much. I thought my favorite yeah. in the whole entire like shared universe, uh, Hollywood Studios produced Godzilla and King Kong. I love Kong Skull Island. I love it because yeah. I, I love the human characters. Without the human characters, it, it doesn't matter how many great CGI effects that you have with, um, yeah, with Godzilla and, and 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 King Kong fighting each other. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Just like the yeah, snap said. It was great. Yeah. But if you don't feel a connection to the human characters, what's the damn point? Yeah, it's just going to be... You could have just cut all the human part out and just have them fighting. That's... Right. Yeah, yeah. that's basically... Yeah. Yeah, I just... I didn't particularly like it. I'm going to probably give this movie a thumbs in the downward, but not because of the action sequences and the CGI. Yeah. Those were fantastic. I really enjoyed those. But without a story to propel the, the CGI... The action sequences. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't get behind it. Um, Nate, what were your three top fa- top three favorite moments of the movie? Um, my first one is when um Robo Godzilla went like like some like it like it the eyes turned red and it went like and it was no longer on under the person's control and it kind of had a mind of its own and he kept rambling on like oh it's so great the rich guy and then he gets snatched up and dies oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes the humans are the evil ones at the end of the day just like every scooby-doo episode and movie yeah. it's the humans there's no monsters the monsters are actually the good guys <laughs> or people or uh animals at the end uh uh, again, the, the graphics are great, um, and I, and the thing is, they really have a talented cast. I mean, I love Kyle Chandler, I love Millie Brown, I love Skazgard uh, or whatever, um, the gentleman from oh, True Blood and a bunch of other movies. He, they're all great actors and actresses. Yeah. Just the script needed to, to be ha- better. The script needed another once or twice over, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they might have wanted to look over like the Hollow Earth thing again. They yeah. should think twice before ripping off Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it, it, it just felt like a kind of like like a cheesy way to um, tell the story. Yeah. Uh, at least in Kong Skull Island, they made it to the point 
where they gave a little back history of having well, Kong was on this island, but he's there to protect the people basically from all these other like, so creatures like, from like the native Amer like the native americans from all the other like creatures. the tribes yeah, yeah the tribes the, the tribes of that of, of that um island yeah but yeah i, I get i get your meaning um uh -huh. so nate on a scale of one to ten ten being super scary one being or one being not scary at all what would you give this film um I'll probably give it a zero because it was not scary at all. Yeah. Like, the action sequences were great. For me, to make it more, like, to make it more scary or something, to add a lot of human, like, like, emotion. Then, like yeah, like, emotion, yeah. Because um, this is a, oh no, Godzilla's coming. It's That's big. They didn't have a lot of emotion. Yeah, I, I felt that yeah, the human element was definitely sorely lacking from from in this film, and what added to the tension, what added to the 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 the, the kind of like thriller aspect, in my opinion, of Kong Skull Island, is that you had that emotion. You were you were kind of invested in the character, even even if you hated the characters, you were still invested in like not liking Samuel L. Jackson character, but liking John Goodman's character in certain areas, and liking the uh, the crazy World War II guy that yeah. was trying to get off the island for, you know... Like, for, like, 60-some years. Right, right. Here, there was nothing. It was very cookie-cutter. I, I didn't... It was... The human part was very cut off the edge. It, 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 yeah, it, it felt very... The characters felt very hollow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so, with that being said, I guess, a final... Uh, would you recommend? Oh, sorry. Would you recommend this to one of your fourth grade class buddies? I no. It's, no. it's just not a good movie. I if if I saw um the the older Kong vs Godzilla from like um nineteen eighty seven or something. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it would be better. Yeah, I um, yeah, you know, we said thumbs in the middle. I'm giving thumbs. It should be a thumbs down, but just because of special effects, it's the thumbs in the middle. But yeah. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nate, we're currently, for next month's segment, we're, it's kind of under construction. Yeah. But stay tuned um, for our next month's episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Or next month's segment, I think you really enjoy it. Nate, is there any kind of closing thoughts, feelings you want to say to everyone right now? Because right now it is actually uh, May, uh, May 30th. And school, we've got what? Two days left. Two days left. So you'll be... What are you? Where are you right now? Fourth grade. <laughs> and you'll be moving to fifth grade yeah. very, very soon. Yeah. Oh my goodness! My, I got a fifth grader on my hands, and two school days, which is basically just nonstop recess and goofing around. <laughs> why? Wouldn't, why clean out your lockers? Why? Why wouldn't you just end it on a Friday? Why would you go two more days? I don't know. I don't know. That's the question of the but ages, buddy. But it's good buddy. for you because you get more money. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thank you for tuning into Kids Corner with Nate and Dad. And we hope you will tune in next month and uh, tell a friend or two. All right, until then, we're going to be doing Alien. Hopefully, the disc works this time. You're the cow of the bag. Okay, <laughs> so with that, good night. Good night. <laughs>
December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. It's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. Get down on the ground! You don't know what you've done! You said here the guy spoke to you. Yeah, so what? The guy doesn't have a tongue. Listen to this. I've seen the earth laid to waste. Take it easy. You're the good guys. They tried to kill me. Why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the Dark Angel consummates your flesh as this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, then he unlocks the gate of hell. Ah! I've come for my wife, Christine. May God forgive us! Let her go. How can you expect to defeat me? When I am forever, and you are just a man. Okay, Christopher, take it away, my good man. All right. Well, we are talking about End of Days from 1999, directed oh, by so Peter. Oh, so long ago. Oh, yes. Directed by Peter Hyams and written by Andrew W. Marlowe. Uh, well, when you think about it, the various action stars of the 80s and 90s somehow, some way, have managed to do a bit of horror and or sci-fi genre crossovers. When Chuck Norris wasn't just kung fu fighting nondescript bad guys, he managed to take on a reanimated murderer in Silent Rage from 1981 and even battled none other than, none other than a raging demon in Hellbound from 1994. Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, ended up in a sci-fi territory with Universal Soldier from 1992 and Time Cop from 1994. And Sylvester Stallone found himself in sci-fi dystopian territory with Demolition Man from 1993. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. And Sigh, Judge Dredd from 1995. Anyways, um, and well, then... Two movies never to watch, be watched again. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Totally forgettable. And then there is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who did not start out as an action movie star at first when he was in such... <clears throat> distinguished productions like Hercules in New York from 1970 <laughs> and Scavenger Hunt from 1979. But then along came Conan the Barbarian from 82, which certainly helped the muscle man from Austria. But thanks to this action sci-fi classic, The Terminator from 1984, which also managed to put a then young James Cameron on the map, 
it would become very clear that Schwarzenegger's career was now set in stone. And unlike his fellow action stars, Schwarzenegger would quickly embrace the action horror sci-fi genre crossovers as long as it allowed him to deliver his macho action performance with gusto in such productions like Predator from 1987 the Running Man, also from 1987, and Total Recall from 1990. Hell, he even managed to direct one episode on the hit TV series Tales from the Crypt. Uh, the episode was titled The Switch, for anyone who is interested in seeing that one. So then at some point, the eventual story pitch would be made for one of Arnold's next action genre crossovers. Arnold Schwarzenegger versus... Are you ready? Here it comes. Arnold Schwarzenegger versus The Devil. Yep, that's right. Arnold goes face to face with Satan himself. I, in, I, I, in days. I keep thinking of Dana Carvey's church like Satan. <laughs> yes, End of Days, a film that combines the concept of the Antichrist tackling the then fear of the I, the Y2K panic, all the while Schwarzenegger does what he does best, and that is action, action, action. So. End of Days begins in Rome, Italy in 1979, and Father Thomas Aquinas, played by Derek O'Connor, witnesses a comet passing over the moon. Father Aquinas reveals to the Pope that this cosmic event is, quote, the eye of God, unquote, and that means a newborn girl will be chosen to sire Satan's child when she comes of proper age. The Pope sends Father Aquinas to seek out this girl and protect her, much to the chagrin of the Vatican Knights Cardinal, played by Michael O'Hagan, who believes it would be much better to just kill the girl instead. It sounds logical, but if that happened, then we wouldn't have much of a movie then, would we? In the meantime, the story shifts to a hospital in New York City, and a woman gives birth to a baby girl named Christine York. While the mother is recovering, Nurse Mabel, played by Miriam Margolis, is a Satanist, and she takes the baby Christine to the morgue, whereby head Satanist Dr. Abel, played by Udo Kier, baptizes the newborn as the chosen one. Now it is 1999, and just a few days until New Year's Eve. Jericho Kane, played by, yep, you guessed it, Arnold Schwarzenegger, a retired cop who is suffering from depression and near suicidal over the death of his wife and daughter when they were killed by some hitmen, is now working security detail with his partner, wisecracking buddy, Bobby Chicago, played by Kevin Pollack. <laughs> they are attached to protect a rather mysterious Wall Street banker, played by Gabriel Byrne, who is targeted for assassination. When a nondescript homeless man attempts to take down the banker, Jericho springs into action and manages to detain the assassin, who turns out to be none other than Father Aquinas. The homeless priest warns Jericho of what is to come, and he is taken into custody. Jericho and Bobby decide to do a little of their own investigation and discover Father Aquinas was originally living in a local Catholic church before going feral. Jericho pays a little visit to the church and attempts to get some info from Father Kovac, played by Rod Steiger. But Kovac brushes Jericho off because the ex-cop has turned his back on God. In the meantime, Christine York, played by Robin Tunney, has grown up into a mature woman, and she is living with her stepmother, Mabel. Christine has also been having strange dreams for a long while, and she consults Dr. Abel for help this despite not knowing that Dr. Abel and Mabel are preparing her to become Satan's bride. Once when Jericho and Bobby find out about Christine, 
she is under attack by both Vatican Knights as well as the Wall Street banker who is possessed by none other than El Diablo himself. Jericho, Satan? Satan, yep. <laughs> Jericho must now do whatever it takes to protect Christine from becoming the mother of Satan's child. But the fight won't be easy as Satan has his followers everywhere around him. And Jericho is just one lone dude against the whole satanic odds. Yes, that is the extremely plot-heavy end of days. <laughs> Well, I, I've got to say, initial initial feelings when I first saw this was like it, it's a very ambitious movie. They want, to, oh yeah, a very ambitious movie, and um, yes. So let's oh let's dive into it, man. Well, I mean, you know, okay, so I I didn't I didn't hate this movie. It's actually it's actually decent. It's not mm. great, but it, it it serves its purpose, but. As I was watching this, this is such, and, and the, the, I know I ha, I do this all the time when a movie doesn't quite click. I begin to see a lot of missed opportunities in this thing, and there's a there's quite a bit. Yep. And I feel like this whole storyline that they have in here is literally a first draft because there's so many elements that could be you know made better and changed around and shifted. And there's just a lot of like loose ends that just stick out like a sore thumb. And you're right. It is an ambitious concept, especially when you consider the fact that it's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger versus the devil. Right. (laughs) But um, as a whole, it's an all right movie. Yeah. It it is very ambitious, like you said. Yeah. I do like the cast. It's pretty good. Yeah, the um, cast is solid. I like CC Pounder. Uh, she's yeah. always a, a class act uh, as right. an actress. And, and um, um, Robin Tunney is a little cutie in this. Oh, yeah. G- I, G- she was Gabriel, a crush of mine. Yeah. yeah. Gabriel Byrne makes a pretty good uh, possessed Satan. I mean, yeah. possessed uh, uh, Wall Street banker, now possessed by Satan. Right. Um, am I the only one who uh, believes that uh, they were trying to to make Kevin Pollock a thing back in the 1990s because well, he was in a lot. I think I recall him being in a lot of movies back then. Yeah, he, he was in a ton of movies. He was in the, the Grumpier Old Men franchise. He and he, he was a successful stand up comic, you know. So, right, right. But I mean, I just and I think his character is quite a missed opportunity in this because as we were talking about um, this before recording, um, he's kind of written off in this as a bit of um. What did you call him? I call the him. I, I call him the the uh, poor man's Tom Arnold in this because t- if, if he was Tom Arnold, Tom Arnold was Arnold Schwarzenegger's sidekick in True Lies <laughs> from like <laughs> yeah, 1993, yeah. I think. Right, right, right. Or as I described him after you, I said that he's also sort of like Dennis Miller. If Dennis Miller was like teamed up with somebody, <laughs> which he's done a few of those at right. one point. Right, so, but I mean, but, um, but, but hell, even his outfit is the same. I mean, uh, Tom Arnold wore the, the blue jeans and the baseball cap and the in the in the yeah. double. I mean, it, it looked very very similar. If you stood well, them, their 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 appearance side by side from those two movies, it was identical. <laughs> and year and years ago at um at, at a restaurant that I worked, I, I still and I still work at, but not full time. We had a guy, a server working with us, who I swear to God totally looked like the Kevin Pollock in End of Days. It just came back to me when I watched this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> had I had I paid a lot of attention, I would have totally have asked yeah. this guy, dude, are you like Kevin Pollock working as a server here yeah. in secret? Are you doing what James Woods did in that Simpsons episode where <clears> he started <throat> to work as a as a convenience store owner? <laughs> Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> 
I don't know if you remember that one where like yeah. Apu lost his job and James Woods takes it over and he, he wants to work as a convenience store owner because he's going to be in this action movie. <laughs> so he wants to like get the feel of the method acting. <laughs> so, so that's what, so that's what I'm saying about this server that, that I worked yeah. with. And I swear to God, he looked like Kevin Pollock. And I'm right. like, are you sure you're not him just pretending to work as a server? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Kevin Pollock's had quite a career too. I mean, he was also in Usual Suspects. He was, uh, yeah. he's had quite, he's kind of quite a, quite a resume and right. he is a hell of a stand-up comic and he has, does great impress celebrity impress impress imp- oh my god what's the word impressions, impressions there you go yeah. wow too much coffee not, but, not my tongue but i work. gotta say in this too what is with the ridiculous names i mean Arnold bobby chicago what bobby f- Ch- yeah, yeah jericho kane uh, I mean, are, like, are these are these code na- are, are these like their code names for their, se- their uh, security thing but you know what though almost all these action movies from like the 80s and 90s and even today they do this thing where like the main character has like the most ridiculous name ever yeah. and you got and, and you have to take it seriously uh, but you just can't because when you hear the name it's like what come on <laughs> you know roberto chicago <laughs> right 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 or even you know what though even but i'll tell you how crazy this is they all have ridiculous names but gabriel Byrne, the wall street banker he's got no name yeah in this he's movie. called the man <laughs> yeah he's called the man or the wall street banker right i mean i'm like what like they, they they don't they're totally non-creative with these other names but he's like the one that gets well, no name well, but and here's the thing is why is someone out to assassinate a wall street banker to begin with why did he yeah. security detail to begin with so and then all weird. of a sudden and by some freak <laughs> chance that this guy has been possessed yeah i'm like i, I don't know i mean he was he was good on, I, I think they mentioned somewhere early in the movie that they were he was going to be trial or do something i i don't know yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably start at the yeah. beginning. So, like, in, in the opening sequence that sets the story up, um, it takes place in 1979 in Rome, Italy, by, over in the, the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Father Thomas Aquinas, he he witnesses this comet passing over the moon, and there's, like, a drawing of it that, like, happened, like, centuries ago, and it's called the Eye of God. So he goes to the Pope. The Pope, by the way, is played by um, um, Mark Margolis, who, if you are uh, into um, TV, you know, like TV shows, mm-hmm. or um, he played Hector Salamanca in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew he's he hell, looks, he's, Yeah, he's a hell of a character actor. I know. And you want to know something? He looks exactly the same as he did in 1999, as he did in later in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. This dude is like totally like for an old look, well for an old looking guy, he's totally ageless. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like um, almost like Paul Rudd, and like uh, there's a few other actors and actresses that uh, don't that age very slowly or age very gracefully. Yeah, 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 and 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 Mark Margolis certainly has. But I when I first when I was first watching this i'm like he looks so familiar and i looked him up and i'm like oh it's it's hector salamanca <laughs> you know ding 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 ding. <laughs> so, so but so they go to the pope and the pope announces that um well they tell the pope that the, that the, the whole thing involving um the eye of god is that uh, uh a lone baby girl will be born and then when she reaches the right mature age that she will be sought out by satan and she will be used to sire satan's child basically the antichrist it's 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 that story all over again basically but, you so, know why is it always new york though can i can why is it always new york why is new york always the hub of shit going down i don't know it's a big city and you know 
crazy shit. You but know? you never hear anything in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> I <laughs> or... know, yeah. But so they they tell the Pope this, and he announces that Father Aquinas must go out and find this girl and protect her. Which, by the way, <laughs> he would Father Aquinas would have to go like seek out the entire world to find this girl. Yeah. And how would he know it's her? It's like, and, how, and and how many Christine or or, or, or Chrissy or New Yorks or well, or whatever. Even, even if he didn't even know what their name was, it's right. like, how would you find out this is the one? Exactly. Now, they state that it would be the one if she's born on, like, New Year's Eve. Again. But it, okay, yeah, but, like, she wouldn't be the only one. You're right. There would be, like, tons of other births going on in right. New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, in, in, in New York alone, how many girls? I mean, you're, you're talking at least, you have to whittle that down at least. Let's say what? New York has a population of, I don't know, how many million people, right? Then you figure, right. okay, how many hospitals in New York? And how many of uh, these women are going to give birth are going to be girls on, on New Year's Eve or whatever it is on this or this particular date? I'm like, you still have to whittle it down to what? There's got to be at least, let's just say, ballpark figure, 25, 30 girls, baby yeah. girls born, maybe. Right. I, I, and then, how would you know one of them is like the the chosen one? Right. It's like. So, I mean, would, would she have a mark like uh, like like the mark of Cain or something? Well, later on, <laughs> she does get a mark, but again, it's like, how would he know she has the mark? You know, it's right. like so. And then, and then, of course, it turns out. Um, there's the Vatican Knights who are part of the Vatican, but they're uh, led, led, led by this nameless cardinal played by Michael O'Hagan, who uh, feels it would be much more prudent to kill the girl so that way she would not be the chosen uh, one. But, but, doesn't that go against a lot of like the Catholic religion? Know, doesn't that go Thou shall not kill? Them? Yeah. Doesn't, well, and the Pope being the one with the cooler head that prevails. Right. And because he's in charge, says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to send... Thomas, Father Aquinas out to go find this girl and protect her. So, you know, let's just put the knife away and calm down. So, so that's, <laughs> that's basically the setup. And then of course it shifts to the hospital in New York city. And there's this woman who gives birth to the baby girl that they named Christine. And then while the mother is recovering, uh, the nurse Mabel played by Miriam Margolis uh, proceeds to take uh, the, the baby to the morgue and, introduces and we're introduced to the lead satanist played by doc, uh, dr abel played by udo kier who by the way talk about another missed opportunity udo kier should have had a much bigger role right in right and he, he's only and, five minutes in the whole movie yeah and he's also an austrian like arnold schwarzenegger those two should have had a scene together <laughs> they barely they don't even get to meet each other <laughs> it, it would be like he could be like the Jedi or the the the, the Yoda to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. To the Jedi. <laughs> so, but nevertheless, Doctor Abel proceeds to take a um, um, a rattlesnake and kill it, and then use the blood to baptize the child, and then eventually she, the, the the little baby has like a like a little um, like a. I guess like a satanic birthmark put under her arm as if nobody would recognize that. Oh, how odd this is. And here's the thing. <laughs> if, if you're really, if you're truly chosen by the devil, if you put it on yourself, that's like putting a tattoo. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Hell. So <laughs> then you're just randomly picking a girl. <laughs> right, right, right. So then we cut to 1999, many years have passed and we're introduced to Jericho Kane played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, he's all American muscle man, despite the fact that, 
he speaks with an Austrian accent. And, you know, that's the thing, though, too, he talked about before doing this before recording. Yeah. Schwarzenegger has to be the one action actor from a foreign country. I think, well, actually, let me take that back. Between him and Jean-Claude Van Damme, who, like, play these all-American heroes, and yet they never, like, try to explain away why they have the, the European accents. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's he, like... He was born here, but he went to Austria for, you know, boarding school or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only film that kind of did that was Commando. Because as you remember, we talked about this in yes. Commando. He was a former East German spy that saw the light and became an American citizen and worked for the American military. Mm-hmm. So he, and so, so like that's like I think the one film, as far as I can recall, that <laughs> explains his foreign ethnicity, basically. You know, because in the movie, I think as I remember movies like Eraser, he's like playing a CIA agent. Oh man, okay. So <laughs> real quick, not no spoilers here, but. This movie better than Eraser. <laughs> oh, really? Because I was going to watch that again. Just to be... well, fine, you can. I'm, I'm not holding the gun to your. I'm not holding, know, I'm not holding a machine gun to your head. I know, I know, but still, but but my point is, is that like Schwarzenegger was always like playing these muscle bound, you know, you can say all American heroes, and yet he's <laughs> given the, and yet his accent always like stuck out. I, 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 okay, go on. Yeah, I guess suspension of disbelief is one thing, but you know. <laughs> I want to see Arnold at the height of his popularity back in the eighties, or, or not eighties, but maybe the nineties, early two thousands. And they kind of did that mockingly with True Lies, where they made him like a salesman, yeah. you know, as a cover. <laughs> I would like to see him be Chuck Jones or something like that from IT support. <laughs> Just <laughs> I try to got a problem with your uh, router. <laughs> yes. Did you uh, plug it and plug it back in the gun? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, everybody can do an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I cannot do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impre- impression. I can't. Yeah, everyone can, I, but me. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, and, and we also see what. Um, so we see that Jericho is like he's been going through depression. He lost his wife and daughter because he was out doing a job. Because he's an ex policeman, he was out doing a, a job, and they got killed by some hitmen because he wouldn't be bribed or whatever. Right. Uh, so now, of course, he's like working as a, a security detail officer, and uh, we we see him making his uh, breakfast. It's coffee combined with like uh, Pepto Bismol, Pepto Bismol, and Chinese scotch. food and scotch in a blender with a with a piece <laughs> of pizza and some coffee. Oh my god! Brought to him by his friend Bobby Chicago, played by Kevin Pollock, who's cracking wise. <laughs> breakfast is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Now, um, before all this, I, I should say before all this, we were we were introduced to another character, a nondescript Wall Street Wall Street banker played by Gabriel Byrne, who is possessed by Satan, or mm-hmm. we believe he's possessed by Satan, some form of demonic possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a problem that I feel like. Well, number one, why would why does Satan have to possess a human being? Couldn't Satan just take the form of a human being, you know? And then. Well, why this? Why this Wall Street banker? What's special about him? Uh, nothing. And but of all my years of watching supernatural television show, uh, all, all all these, um, you know, Satan it was is a was a fallen angel, um, and but all these people, all these spirits, all these, um, you know, be it the good guys or the bad guys from heaven or hell, 
they need to possess a, a, a meat suit. They need to possess someone. Yeah, because... but I think you can easily get away. I mean, like, it It sounds to me like they're trying to remain accurate to something, but it's like, really? I mean, I, I would rather... I think the story would have worked a lot better if, if the, the devil would just have taken the form of a human being mm-hmm. because by possessing the this nondescript Wall Street banker, mm-hmm. who, by the way, as we mentioned, has no name, yeah. you don't even figure out who this dude is you yeah know, and, you just... know, and he's in gabriel Byrne is an accomplished another accomplished wonderful actor yeah in his own right and they give and it's yeah it's it's i i looked it up just right now it's the man it's not even the washerman yeah. it's the man i'm like yeah, and, that, that and, sounds and, like something that you know you, you have a bit part somewhere <laughs> like and but then why possess him because it as it turns out there's nothing about this guy that we know of it's like just this wall street banker let's just have yeah. him get possessed and you know, I, I know looking for character development in a movie like this is like looking for water in the desert, but um, it would have been a lot better had, like, you know, maybe we were given just a little taste of this Wall Street banker's character. Like, let's say he was like um, this dude that was screwing people over and, yeah. you know, he and and he doesn't see himself as a bad guy. And then he ends up being taken over by Satan. And then it would have been actually a lot more interesting if it was like a weird so Jekyll you, and Hyde. So you want an origin story, Chris? <laughs> well, no, not really an origin, but like it could have easily have been like explained, you know? Right, like right. E- like even in the scene where he goes in the restaurant and meets these two people, right. he, he's like, he just walks in, throws his coat down and says, oh, I'll be right back. I gotta go to the bathroom. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. could have sat there and gotten some wine and yeah, it's the, like, the girl would have told him, you know, I don't like the things that you do. And he'd be like, so what? You know, you know, like easy backstory. And then like maybe when he's possessed by Satan, maybe like have him like go through weird withdrawals like a a Jekyll and Hyde character like he doesn't understand why he's being possessed I know it it sounds ridiculous like I'm asking for an origin story but I'm just saying like by by having this Satan possess this like nameless character it like really means nothing I feel like there's nothing to be gained from the character. Well, maybe there's you know? a director's cut out there where they explains that. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like, this is like the missed opportunity I'm talking right, about. Right. It's like, you know, a little more of this, you know, and then because when he gets possessed, he just walks out and then just blows up the the restaurant for like well, whatever reason. Well, for, for, first he grabs a woman by the tit and then starts yeah. making out with her and then, yeah. and then and, walks and, out and then, then it explodes. But how does it explode? I mean, I, I know he's he just, a devil, but I'm like, do you just will it to explode? Uh, I guess. Apparently. I, I, <laughs> so anyways, we have to set that up because uh, Jericho and Bobby are supposed to be um, protecting, um, you know, a special VIP mm-hmm. who it turns out is this Wall Street banker. The man. Which, which, or, or the man. Which, it should, it should the be way, dumb man, not the man, just dumb no, man. Dumb man. Which, dumb by man. The way, which, by the way. Okay, so if the dude has to be under surveillance, shouldn't he have been under surveillance when he went in that restaurant? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, why all of a sudden he's under surveillance now? It's I, like I, well, I know I have no I idea get, either. But the, the security company they work for this this private security company they work for. My God, I would like to work for them. Did you see what what kind of security company? I mean, I know you have, you're going to have your guns, you have your nine millimeters, your Glocks, your what have you. But, like a chopper. But, uh, but, but who the fuck <laughs> has a uh, who, who has a fucking chopper? And then you, they go and later on during the movie, he goes in and he starts grabbing these big old fucking like not not even grenades, they're like rocket launcher, like those fucking I know, mortar yeah, shells. Yeah. I'm like. 
Really? Who the fuck are you yeah. protecting that you need a mortar shells? And wasn't weren't they taking this guy to a courthouse? I'm trying to yeah. remember. Oh, oh no, yeah, I, okay. I, I don't even know. But it, it, it's bananas. I'm like, you don't need that kind of firepower. Who the fuck are you protecting? It it felt like they were supposed to be protecting the president of the United States. Even says, that, it's just, still, it's just man. this. It's just this Wall Street banker. Yeah. It's like, which again, we know nothing about. <laughs> I need a rocket launcher or a submachine gun. <laughs> So, anyways, they're 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 going to be like following this banker in in this li- well, you know, trailing him while the banker's in this limo going to a courthouse for mm-hmm. some odd whatever he's being investigated right. for. Again, we never find out. Yeah, it's such a I guess a needless plot point. But anyways, <laughs> so they get to the location and then suddenly they get shot at and it's like this homeless guy shooting at them and then we get this. You know, pretty cool action sequence with uh, Schwarzenegger getting in the helicopter and chasing the guy on on the roof, and then it turns out that the homeless guy is Father Aquinas, who's like been living in like squalor for like a couple of months or whatever. Right. He, he ran and, away from the church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he tells Schwarzenegger, you know, the end is near. All basically telling him the whole story, or at least giving him a, a part of it, and then eventually the police arrest this guy. But as it turns out, um. The um, police uh, detective, Marge Francis, played by CCH Pounder, reveals to him, well, how could he have talked? Because the medical examiner is looking at him and he has no tongue. Right. So, yeah. How, how, how could he talk when he has no tongue? Yeah. So they decide to do their own investigating and they find that the um, uh, the father has been living in like this really, really shitty I don't know what you want to call they, it. They said, they, apartment. Yeah, they said apartment, but that doesn't look like any apartment. I was in. That, that looks like you're like, you know, an alley. <laughs> it looks like, it looks like it's going to sound mean. I'm not signing mean saying this, but it looks like someone will be hiding in it. The country was at war, like in some war torn country. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> looks, it looks like a flop house. I mean, it looks like it, yeah. there's, there's, there's just, it's very, it's squalor. It's, it's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and nothing out of the ordinary, like writing down, like the end is near and like religious shit on the wall or even finding father Aquinas's tongue in a jar. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that he got that he, that he managed to cut out on his own. <laughs> Oh. And then, and then, just as Bobby and Jericho are close to getting a lead, oh, the cops show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Convenient. Conveniently enough. So, yeah. No, uh, uh, and then, oh, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was like, I'm just trying to figure. As we find out, um, these cops and these people are possessed. You think these cops are already possessed, or no? Not yet, right? At this I point, don't know. We'll, we'll we'll get to that because there's a moment in the film where you think that they are, right? But you don't really understand. I mean, or you think they might be part of the satanic cult, right? That's going around. Which, by the way, we never find out that there's really a satanic cult until like the final half of the movie, where like they're being chased by a bunch of people, <laughs> like literally out in the middle of like New Year's Eve, like like yeah. out in the streets. But anyways, right. so so they um they they. So uh, Jericho and Bobby believe that maybe it would be a good idea to go back and try to find out what um, Father Aquinas knows. And in the meantime, um, the Wall Street banker possessed by Satan, uh, played by Gabriel Byrne, uh, gets to lead ahead of them mm-hmm. and manages to like somehow um, 
we never see what happens, but once when Bobby and and uh, Jericho and uh, Detective Marge Francis, Francis enter the room, all of a sudden they find uh, Father Aquinas kneeled on top of the ceiling like he's on the cross. <laughs> it's a pretty cool sequence, but yeah, it's like right. it's like like well, there goes your lead. <laughs> right, but but here's the thing: is then they take him down, and the guy they think he's dead, and he's still alive. <laughs> For a brief moment. Oh yeah, and then one of the police and the police officer shoots him in the head. Right. Because apparently, <laughs> smart move there. Right. Because apparently, well, Satan knows all your deepest, darkest secrets, and that's how he oh, got yeah. into the room. He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told that police officer like something like he could smell the scent of uh, the, the young boy, boys that he seduced. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> Which, when I heard that, I was like, "Holy shit!" Well, this wow. is not the movie I wanted to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they find like. Like something carved on Father Aquinas's chest. Yeah, Christine about, York or Christine. Well, no, it says Christ in New York. Yeah. So oh, Jericho immediately says to Bobby, "Well, it could be anything. Maybe it's a name. Maybe it's uh, you know Christopher or something or Christine York." Yes. <laughs> and then they check the files, and it turns out, yep, Christine York in uh, New York City. <laughs> you know what? Here, here, here's the thing. Go on uh, Facebook. Type in anybody or any any random name. I bet you get at least fifteen different hits of other people's names. <laughs> I know this is one of those movies where like they don't the writers don't know how computers work, <laughs> so they just like take a shot. Like well, let's just go check the records and see if we can find someone un- close to that name. Up oh, Christine York. There we go. Problem oh my god, it's like a blind so monkey in a closet. I don't. How'd you find that? <laughs> I know. It's like holy shit. How did you figure this out? <laughs> so convenient. Now, yeah, very convenient. Well, even more convenient. So Christine York, played by the love Robin Tunney, is now all grown up. Yes. And as it turns out, she is living with her guardian, uh, Mabel, played the nurse from the opening sequence. Yeah. I guess what had happened is that uh, her mother died. And her father died. Nurse, no, her, yeah, her father died. And then the nurse adopted her. What, no, what happened is the, no, the, the mother died and then she remarried the husband, I think. Oh, but then, but then, do we ever see the husband? Did the no, husband because die? The, the husband died, and she, yeah, I think I, they both eventually died. But I think what happened is that the mother died a few, a couple years later, or something like that, and she married the husband. And she, it's, it's like something like her stepmother or something. I, I, yeah, yeah, basically her stepmother. Yeah. Oh, and then of course, her doctor is also Doctor Abel, played by Udo Kier, who's like you know consulting her over these weird dreams that she's having that, you know, she's seeing the wall street banker possessed by Satan, trying to make out with her uh, in this one dream sequence that has without question, some of the most horribly aged CGI ever. Oh yeah. It's it. I understand this was made in 1999. This is like the best that CGI had to offer at that time. But, uh, you know, mm, you know, not the, the, quite aged. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this, this ranks right up there with a the deep blue sea. CGI. It's probably a little bit better than Deep Blue Sea, but not by much. <laughs> right, right. So, anyways, um, so I'm trying to remember now. So, um, oh, there's a moment in this movie where, um, and it, it totally threw me off. Okay, so, um, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Before I talk about that, no. So, uh, Jericho decides to investigate the church where Father Aquinas was living at before he like went. A, went underground. So he goes to the church and it's being led by father Kovac played by Rod Steiger, who, if any of you horror film fans um, might remember, 
um, he was in the Amityville Horror. He played Father Delaney in that film. So it makes me wonder if he was cast in this movie basically because of that connection. Have you had pro- previous uh, roles as a fa- uh, playing a priest? <laughs> yes. Well, I did play one in the Amityville Horror. <laughs> and he's and, got a distinct voice, too. I'm like, my guy, I recognize that voice anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he was in a lot of movies. He was in a lot of movies. And um, he um, here he's actually a little less uh, out of control <laughs> as opposed to in the Amityville horror, but uh, nevertheless, so he doesn't really want to tell Jericho anything because he pretty much, you know, he's like feeling into Jericho and realizes that um, Jericho doesn't believe in God. And he's like, well, then if you don't believe in God and you don't have his enemy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, but why, why should I tell you anything? So, so Jericho decides to secretly follow father, um, Kovac into the basement. Uh, th- th- he, now this is fucking creepy. Come I know it's, it's creepy, but at the same time it goes nowhere because so they they go so Jericho sneaks into the basement to watch Father Kovac uh, doing this weird, I guess, exorcism type thing or right. study exorcism with like computers and shit with this one woman who's speaking in tongues and she's like got like. She's like her hands are bleeding and everything like she's being like crucified. Mm-hmm. And then but here's what's funny, though. Once when Steiger's character sees Schwarzenegger there, he pretty much just like tells him what they're doing and then tells him you shouldn't be here. Get out. Go. And then, of course, what does Jericho do? <laughs> he um, uh, uh, what does he do next? I'm sorry. What, what he was just it? leaves. He doesn't even like kick up a rock. Yeah, well, yeah, oh yeah. Here, let me tell you everything first yeah, before you I'm leave. I'm tell you what we're doing. I'm going to answer all your leave. questions. Yeah. Well, no, he just barely answers all of them. He just tells them what they're doing. And then he's like, and you can't be here. You have to go. And then of course, you know, even though Jericho is no longer a police officer, you know, you'd think he'd get the law involved because, uh, you that's know, fine. <laughs> yeah. He just walks away like, okay, I guess I'm going to leave now. He just walks out. It's like there should be like a moment where like his character tries to like tries to like force Steiger's character to like tell him more about what's going on, you know? Right. But nevertheless, he just goes, okay, and he just leaves. <laughs> well, you know, a- after we watch this movie, or after we we're done, where we're done with without going point by point, there is, there comes a point in time where you know you're watching these movies, you're like. Who the fuck is going to – how do you fill out a police report like this? How do you fill out any kind of reports like this? I'm like – Yeah, that's true. Uh, but like, I mean like, you know, the woman's tied down. She's bleeding from her hands. Right. You know? I mean, I mean and, and, and considering that he doesn't believe in any of this stuff, you'd think right. he would still be concerned. That maybe they're just hurting her while my back is turned, you know, that, right. that right. type of thing. So I do agree with you. It's like how would you fill a police report out for this? But at the same time – it's like, you know, you should be raising a little bit more of a stink about this. Yeah. Like, hey, so, fellas, should we call, you know, some sort of government agency to come see what you guys are doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something. So anyways, so they, Bobby, uh, Jericho and Bobby Chicago pretty much get a lead of where Christine lives. Right. So they're going to go see her. Now, in the meantime, Christine is all by herself in the house, and... Mm-hmm. um she is attacked by the Vatican Knights, you know, the, by this cardinal who wanted to kill her in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a moment where there's a servant in the house 
who who tells who tells her that dinner's ready, and then she says, "Okay, I'm just gonna take my bath." And then when she walks into the bathroom, she finds the servant dead with his throat cut, which threw me off completely. I was like, "Who is that guy? Right, yeah. Is that him? Is that the servant?" Well, the servant only had like one line, I like know, fifteen minutes but, earlier. <laughs> but I was totally confused. I'm like, "Is that her husband? Is that like her friend?" Is yeah. that like some mysterious stranger that like decided to use her bathtub and get his throat cut? Oh no, not Alfred. <laughs> so the Vatican Knights are attacking her. And at one point she like she try to get someone's attention. She like kicks out like a shell, uh, like a, like a, uh, what do you call it? A, um, like uh, an bureau. Out of, uh, yeah, like yeah. an armor out of a out of a window. Right. So Bob, so Jericho and Bobby are walking up there, and they just see it on the on the ground. Conveniently, like, mm. great timing. I, yeah, I swear, yeah, great, no, timing. great timing. They're like, mm, not don't see this every day, do you? And you get this fun action sequence of uh, Schwarzenegger kicking ass of the Vatican Knights and saving Christine from being killed. Mm -hmm. So of course the police show up, and you know they're trying to make heads or tails out of this whole thing. So. Um, Basically, um, Bobby and Jericho decide to hang around outside in the van and watch her because she doesn't know it's because Christine doesn't know it's going on. So <laughs> um, um, the Wall Street banker, Satan, a.k.a. Uh, the man, the man or the man <laughs> yeah, is trying yeah. to get Udo Kier's character, Dr. Abel, to have Christine come to her. But it's not working out. So, of course. The man decides to kill Dr. Abel and then do it himself. And there's a scene where um, you know, he, he has sex with his wife and his. And, I know, and, which made no sense. I'm like, like, what was that? That could have been completely taken out of the film and it wouldn't have made and it, it wouldn't have, have detracted from the film at all. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. Other than the fact that it gives what's her face another vision, but we've already yeah. seen, but we've already seen that she's had visions prior and she said that she's had visions. So, it's just it, it's it was it was pointless. I mean, yeah. I'm all good for I'm, I'm all good for a little TNA, but it, was, it just went nowhere. But it just was like again, like like the other scene you mentioned. Okay, great. Why? <laughs> so as so, anyways. Now there's this mo moment where Schwarzenegger's character gets out of the van and he um, he decides to talk to Christine and he and and he had torn off a necklace that one of the assassins was wearing when they were attacking mm -hmm. her, and he pretty much and he pretty much figures out thanks to the fact that christine has like a bunch of religious books into in the library <laughs> how convenient <Yes. laughs> they figure out that it's the mem that it's the um it's the um vatican knights so while they're trying to figure all this out bobby chicago is in the um Great name for a great name for a sports team, though the Vatican I, Knights. I, I know, yes, yeah, <laughs> go, yeah. Go on. The Vatican Knights, yes, they have totally not lost to Satan yes. for you know the past X <laughs> amount of thousands of years. It's third and four on the fifty yard line. <laughs> right, 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 and Satan's by the goal line. But anyway, uh, so now there's a moment where where the, the possessed Wall Street banker knows that Bobby Chicago is in the van. So what does he do? He walks over to like the side of a wall and proceeds to urinate, which apparently has hellfire and he lights a cigarette. And while the hellfire urine goes underneath the, um, the, <laughs> And he light, Satan lights up the cigarette, drops the match, and blows up the van with Bobby Chicago in it, which Kevin Pollock gives like the greatest like ah, look ever while the van catches on fire and blows up. So it blows up, and then part of the house catches on fire, and then suddenly uh, Mabel has superhuman strength and starts... Oh, yeah. 
she hooks out on Schwarzenegger. Oh, absolutely. Like the, the Schwarzenegger has to like take Mabel and like crash her head into a glass table. That'll put the bitch down. <laughs> I know. And it does. But that's after she threw him partly through a wall. <laughs> I know. I was laughing hysterically like, wow, Schwarzenegger's getting his ass kicked in this scene. <laughs> so, oh, God. So, the, so Jericho finally uh, rescues Christine from that whole incident and tries to escape with her. And then eventually they get uh, detained by the Detective Marge Francis and the police officer who now this is where it gets confusing because I and I love this part, too. He says, oh, thank God you're here. And then they start shooting at him and he goes, hey, careful with the hardware. <laughs> and you know but, me. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but that's the problem. It's like, so are they possessed by Satan or the, are they in with the Satanists? Well, here's the thing. It's so confused. Yeah, here's the thing is I thought they were Satanists, but then. Maybe they were part of the, this this cult or whatever it is, um, because after they return fire and he kills the police officer and then he kills CC Pounder's um, uh, character, the, yeah. the, the, the detective Gabriel Byrne or the or the man Satan walks by and he's like, "I have no use for you. I still need you." He taps her and brings her back to life. Yeah, but see, that's the thing though. It's like they're shooting at Schwarzenegger. They they just say they want the girl. They don't even explain that they're part of this group. Like like it would it totally needed that exposition. Like it would have been great if Jericho was like saying, you know, what's going on? Why are you shooting at me? And when they say we need the girl, they go why? And he goes, you know, like and he'll say why? And then they go because she's the one, mm-hmm. and we and, or something like that. And like and we're we, part of the group or we whatever. We got orders you know, like, to bring and, her in, basically. Yeah, yeah. you know, just have that exposition you know like it, it is needed i know it sounds ridiculous uh, you know um the great mark l Risman and i would occasionally talk about things like sometimes you don't need a lot of exposition but sometimes in cases like this you do because it's so confusing you're like are they possessed did he just possess them somehow or are mm-hmm. they working in cahoots with the uh, satanists uh, you know like we never right. know exactly we never know if they were part of that group specifically but <sighs> nevertheless Schwarzenegger gets a drop on them and kills them and then, you know, runs off with Christine and then um, uh, the, 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 the man You're right, <laughs> Satan, right. Uh, yeah, brings Detective Francis back to life because he's going to need her. Yeah. And uh, Jericho decides to take Christine to Father Kovac, where he finally explains all. So he explains that the concept of 666 is not 666. It's really 999 upside down and that it represents 1999, Uh. which is, yeah, which is the year in which Satan will try to uh, have his way with the chosen one, Christine, Mm -hmm. so she can give birth to the devil's, you know, basically the Antichrist. Right. But he's got a very small window (laughs) to do this in. (laughs) Yes, he has to do it before the beginning of 2000. Basically. So he's, he's got a so, two to three hour window <laughs> that he can impregnate right. this chick. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, you know, it, 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 so she decides that she's going to stay at the church because they, they tell her that, you know, Satan will not be able to enter the church. But, you know, nevertheless, Jericho decides not to stick around. He decides to go home, and he goes home, and then eventually he runs into the Wall Street banker, the man who's mm-hmm. there, and, 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 who tries to basically tempt Jericho to give up 
where Christine is hiding. And then, of course, a big fight sequence ensues and he manages to throw Satan out of the window (laughs) in this cool action sequence, which, again, I will say this. The movie has some great action sequences, but its big detriment is the editing is so quick. It's very choppy. Yeah, well, it's even choppy during dialogue sequences, too. Like, it doesn't even give you a chance to, like, watch people. Right. You know, it just cuts whenever someone says something and it's like, stop doing that. You know, just, just let it play out. <laughs> yeah. Let it play out. You know, you can do that during when people throwing punches, but not when they're explaining shit. So <laughs> and then who turns up at uh, uh, Jericho's house? It's Bobby Chicago. Yeah. Somehow he, he managed to avoid getting killed. <laughs> and, and, and what happens? The first thing Schwarzenegger sees, he shoots him in the arm. I know he shoots him in the arm and he tells because he thinks that he's possessed. He shoots him in the arm and then Bobby's like, "Oh man, what did you do that for?" And he goes, "Stop being a pussy." <laughs> did it? Does it hurt? He goes, "Yes, it does hurt." You shot me in the arm, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So Jericho plans to um, take Christine from the church and you know hide her off somewhere. With the help of Bobby Chicago. Yeah, yeah, with Bobby Chicago. So, you know, Bobby says, okay, I'll meet you at the church in about an hour. So uh, Jericho goes there, and he's going to take Christine, and then who shows up but the Vatican Knights? Mm -hmm. They're going to try to kill Christine. (laughs) And I love the scene where he, like, shoots... the the cardinal the, the Vatican Knights cardinal played by Michael O'Hagan he's about to stab Christine and then he shoots the blade of the knife and then he's gonna try to kill her again with it but then he shoots his hand <laughs> it's so great man and oh then, my god and then as it turns out the walls of God are not enough to protect Christine because the the ground starts shaking and all of a sudden the man Satan shows up <laughs> and proceeds to kill everybody in the church. <laughs> Oy. Then guess who shows up in time? Bobby Chicago. Right. But as it turns out, as it turns out, Tim. Yes. Drum roll, please. He is. He was brought back to life because he made a deal with Satan uh, to to turn over Christine York. He goes. You'd be surprised how uh, how quick you uh, you know change your mind on things when you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so he, we had a deal. Yep. So Bobby Chicago takes Christine, leaving Arnold Schwarzenegger behind to get assaulted by the devil, uh, the man, and all these like Satanists that show up out of nowhere. Which, by the way, they look like a group of homeless people that were just like like were, like gathered to yeah. perform in a movie. <laughs> right. It, it was like a flash mob. <laughs> I know. They just. And they start beating the shit out of Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes, and and then and then they then they literally crucify him, an <laughs> uh, uh, and, and alley. <laughs> yeah, uh, they they like put him on like a crucifix, like they they don't hammer his hands. Yeah, right, right. They they tie they, uh, they tie his feet. They, yep, and they and they hoist him up against the building, and then they leave him there to die, thinking <laughs> he'll never come back to get us. Yeah. Well. They underestimate the power of the art and, and then and the church. Yeah. And the church. And then the next day, uh, Rod Steiger, who we thought was killed miraculously looks like he's alive. He doesn't even look like he's had a, he's got a scratch on him. So it's like, how did he like avoid getting like not getting killed? Right. It's like, he just like hid somewhere. So he tries helping Arnold and, you know, Arnold's basically going to go out and rescue Christine and he figures out where she might be hidden. 
which is in this abandoned movie theater. And then, by the way, we should go talk about that scene where he goes to the uh, security agency that he works at, right. Tim. Yes. Yeah, so what does he do when he goes there, Tim? He he, go, he goes to that... Uh, the, the, we told you he goes to that that damn fucking like the, the the mecca of where all the weapons are at, and like it starts just loading up on guns and machine guns and the, like the freaking air rock, rockets and shit. I'm like, yeah, who the fuck? Who the fuck has rockets? I mean, they said who the fuck has rockets and, and mortars and all that kind of crap for a security company? Yeah, all the while his boss telling him, "Do you realize the cops are looking for you?" Right. <laughs> And by the way, his boss doesn't even try to stop him. He just lets him take the shit. So you got a wanted guy from the wanted by the police. You're going to have him come into your your place of business, take a, a buttload of ammunition and guns and God knows what else. And a, for a high tech security operation, very lax security protection within well, its own company. It's, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's the same security guy that was outside of of the um, of the, the the mortuary or the morgue in the hospital in Reanimator. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you got the one lonely yeah. security guard with the Playboy yeah, yeah, magazine. Yeah. Except, except, yeah, except that one was a little more active, you know, and he was reading a porno mag most right. of the time. This this guy is just like looking at him, like, "What are you doing? Where, where, where are you going? The cops are looking for you." He doesn't even try to stop him. He just like yeah. lets them go. You know, it's like sorts of things like I've got unfinished business to tend to, <laughs> and it's like. Really? Not going to stop this guy? <laughs> He's taking half your shit. <laughs> yes. These are so, big ticket items, man. This is not a staplers and pencils. <laughs> right. So Arnold decides to... Um, so I, I forget how Arnold figured out where she was hidden. Did he like look he, her up on the computer? Yeah, or something? yeah. He went. He went to the yeah to a computer thing and typed in some stuff and found the address. Uh, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> I guess. Except once again, proving that this movie has no idea how computers or the internet works. But okay. Well, again, fine. this was this was 1999. We we, yes, we just got matter, AOL. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I remember there's a shot where on the side of a bus they had the logo for America Online. Yes. And I was like, ah. Oh, that thought, that brought back memories. <laughs> eer, eer. Yeah, you've got back mail. <laughs> back in the day when you actually had to take your phone line router and connect it to your computer right. into the the phone jack and and sign up through that. <laughs> you, you literally had to. You, it was a it was an electronic dial. Yep, yep, yep. Eer, eer. Yeah, right, right. As opposed to now, where it's fucking wireless. <laughs> can you imagine trying to game on something like that right now that oh, would be no. god awful <laughs> hell do you remember how long it took to download something yeah it, it, like, it, it, like 30 to 40 minutes to download yeah. a picture a yes, picture a picture a picture okay imagine how long it would have taken schwarzenegger to get that info off that computer where christine is being held up <laughs> yeah go faster <laughs> faster come on come on download faster <laughs> do it now <laughs> so he finds out where christine is holed up it's in like a abandoned movie theater so he goes underneath it and you know there's a big ceremony with you know, the devil and all that shit. And <laughs> Schwarzenegger interrupted. <laughs> and there's the scene where Bobby Chicago is there and he tells them how much, you know, yeah, well, you know, you wouldn't believe what kind of a deal you'd make if, when you were on fire. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. So, so and, and I love this though, too. I love how non-dramatic it is. You know, he, you know, please jerk leaves with Bobby to remember, you know, who he was and, you know, mm -hmm. how they're friends and everything. And then Bobby is aiming the gun at him. And then 
all of a sudden Bobby, instead of like breaking down, he just goes, you know what? I, I can't, can't do, do it. it. And, then, and then Satan goes, you got a deal. And then just lights him on fire. <laughs> I know. And Bobby's like, ah, and he's like, like running around on fire and everybody's <laughs> panicking. And then, um, basically Jericho kills detective Marge Francis. And then again, <laughs> again, again, and then, um, runs off with Christine and they end up into the, um, uh, subway system and they get onto a subway that's like there's no passengers on it right. but it's being which, which, which strikes me as funny it's midnight it's 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 uh new year's eve in new york city and there's only one guy or you know taking driving the um the subway that subway yeah. should be packed with people <laughs> i know yeah unless it was like closed for some specific reason right. but nevertheless uh, Jericho and Christine get on that train, and they oh bad tell- CGI by the way when they first oh, get about yeah, when they first yeah, get about yeah. out of that that yeah. and get run but, over by the train. <laughs> but it was cool when I, I will say that I did like the shot where you know the the conductor is standing against the wall after they just ran over uh, the Wall Street banker possessed by Satan, the man, the man, and then all of a sudden um, Satan uh, or the the, the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoves his hand through the back of the wall in, 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 into the, the conductor's chest and pulls his heart out and then pulls the guy into, into outside the subway. The poor guy didn't need that, man. He didn't need to be killed, but yeah, whatever. I mean, so he did run him over with a train. <laughs> right, right, right. To be fair. But that, but that was on Jericho's orders. So, you know, you know he, so the conductor was like a, a total innocent in this thing. <laughs> So eventually, uh, you know, um, Schwarzenegger figures out how to uh, unhook the train and then because um, it splits apart. And then the part where the, the front half of the compartment with with the um, sa- with Satan crashes into a wall, which is actually kind of a cool shot. I think I don't think that one was CGI as much as it was probably miniature effects. Right. It looked pretty decent that that one, at least. Yeah. And then. But of course, <laughs> the the last half of the compartment with Jericho and Christine is moving closer towards the exploded train, so they have to run all the way to the back end, and then the train crashes into <laughs> the other in, into the other part, and they manage to miraculously be safe. But now that CGI was kind of wonky. yeah, that one was kind of shitty. But uh, so they escape, and then in the meantime, the battered body of the Wall Street banker. Uh, can't put himself back together because he's broken pieces. So of course, we get the weird holographic uh, yeah. s- Satan emerging from his body, um, chasing after Christine and Jericho. Now, there's, now there's a moment where they end up at this church, mm-hmm. and suddenly there's this giant crowd of Satanists that have just managed to find them out mm-hmm. of nowhere. And they're carrying torches and shits. They look like they should be in like a Frankenstein film. Did they get a text or something? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Or the long distance call. Like, Hey, they may be at this church. To meet them. Yeah. They didn't, they, they didn't have text messaging back then. That's right. They all got paged. <laughs> yeah. And they chase them into this church and then they, they lock it up and then, you know, he tells Christine to hide, and he's going to try to like shoot his way. Oh, you know. It, meanwhile, there's a there's a bunch of masks in there. He goes, "Get out now!" So they lock the they lock the doors, right? Then he tells everybody, "Get out!" Oh yeah, that's right. He tells them to get well, out, and they're well, just looking at him, and well, then he finally it, it, aims he I, aims the gun at it and shoots and says, "Get out now!" And then they all get out. Yeah, so I guess they're running out the back door. Yeah, wouldn't he have like gone through the back door when all those? I, I don't know. Whatever logistics. Yeah. 
The logistics of this And who's manning that? Shouldn't they have locked the back door, too? I mean, people can get in there, too. (laughs) Yeah, the logistics in this movie kind of suck. But we shouldn't be that surprised, considering how I said this script totally plays like a first draft. So anyways, so now we come to the big finale in which Arnold's character, Jericho, uh, is going to, like, basically shoot his way, you know, through success. But then (laughs) he looks up and notices all the the ornate statues of Christ and everything. And then he has a moment where he just puts the gun down and realizes that, you know, he just, he's just asked God for some, for some assist a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it begins to shake and then the ground erupts. And then, you know, the holographic Satan finally appears in like, like flesh form as this gigantic, Bat cra- thing? horrible CGI effect. Oh, it was, again, it was awful. It was again, awful. the best that 1999 could offer in case anybody watches this and um, gets into a big battle sequence with Arnold, throws his body around, thrashes him around. And then eventually Schwarzenegger is possessed by Satan and he tries to convince Christine that all is well, but it's not. And then he's going to try to basically rape her on the altar. <laughs> Wait, you know, I'm just wondering. The church, church, the, the the ground that the church is on, and the church building itself is hollowed ground. So even if you like break apart like the floorboards and tear down the walls, it's technically still a hollow ground. Satan and the devil and all these demons can't literally; they should not be able to trespass on that. They should. It's kind of like a home base or yeah, free base. Be safe. You know what, Tim? It's all logistics, and unfortunately, this movie has none. So. <laughs> hey, if the devil can possess some random Wall Street banker for no reason, then he can somehow manage to enter the house of God and not be affected by it. <laughs> Goddamn hollow ground. Is nothing sacred? <laughs> nothing, is sac- nothing is sacred. Actually, that there's a missed opportunity. There should have been a part where, like, Arnold said, like, like once when the ground starts shaking, Arnold should have probably said, God! Is nothing sacred anymore? <laughs> See, again, missed opportunities, you know? That could have been his new catchphrase. And then you notice, Arnold Sorkin does not have a catchphrase in this movie. He always has a catchphrase. He doesn't catchphrase. have one, and he should have, at least. It would have made this movie a little more palpable, but, uh, you know? But anyways, so he's going to try to basically have his way with Christine, but she manages to get and tell him, you know, you know, basically get him to stop and then he tells her to run jericho you're a good man remember you're a good man so she tells him to run no i'm sorry he tells her to run right and then he notices one of the broken statues that has a silver sword and he plunges his body against it and kills himself and then in the meantime all of a sudden it's new year's day 20 2000 and the devil has not been able to impregnate impregnate Christine for her to give birth to the Antichrist. So the devil loses. Schwarzenegger wins. He dies, but he wins. He wins. And you he's know, reunited Christine, with his uh, his daughter and wife in the afterlife. Yep, and uh, you know Schwarzenegger. And I'm sorry, Schwarzenegger. Uh, his character dies. Mm-hmm. Robin Tooney goes over there and hugs, uh, you know, and, and embraces, you know, uh, Jericho's uh, dead body and mm-hmm. you know says thank you, basically. And then we cut to an outside screen, uh, a shot of the church and people all around it and cops cars coming in. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, uh, yeah basically. And it's interesting, too, that he dies in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, you would usually think, um, um, you know, they would have his character be alive or at least somehow survive. But no, he actually dies in this movie. I was, I, I, I was I, very surprised by that. It, it, it was, it was a, it's a novel concept because it hardly, you know, your, your Schwarzeneggers and your Stallones and your um, Chuck Norris's there in every movie they've ever been in, they could be, they could be shot at a thousand times. And they live, and they and they live. But um, sometimes they come out with scratches and maybe you're shot in the arm or the leg. But they live. The, the, but yeah, this is the first time that the hero of the story uh, sacrifices himself for the greater good and dies. And uh, that that was kind of an, an interesting idea. I, I like that idea of of having the hero die to protect. Yeah, him. I mean, it was it, it's definitely a nice change of pace and everything. I mean, it sort of. T- takes away from the over-the-top action hero concept of him right. being this muscle guy, muscular dude that no matter how many times he gets shot at, he he's, manages to he's live. Superman, yeah. Yeah, basically. he is the hero, but he dies, you know, he dies as the hero, basically. Right. So, And, uh, you know, it, it's not a bad conclusion, although I have to say when the police show up, you know, Christine's going to have one hell of an explanation. <laughs> so getting back to that, yes, getting back to that where I mentioned earlier, like who's going to write all these reports? How do you even begin to explain it? The, a big ex-police officer impaled on a sword, an earthquake, that, a biblical earthquake that took place, or satanic earthquake that took place, and... You know the, the the train that was wrecked and the, all the people that died. I'm like, what do you even say? Yeah, it was Satan. <laughs> how the fu- yeah uh, yeah? How do, you, the, how do you write that off? Yeah, the devil made me do it. <laughs> Literally, oh yeah. And think of the therapy this poor woman's going to have to have her entire rest of her fucking life. I mean, my God. <laughs> Why are you here? Well, the de- the devil wanted to have sex with me, making me make make me his bride, and I was going to have the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, okay. That could be the sequel, End of Days Two. You know, where she's going to visit the psychiatrist, and he's been like trying to suss the whole thing out, and it turns out, oh, I oh, twist, psychiatrist is possessed by Satan, and now he's going to try to pull it off. <laughs> this is Rosemary's baby, Rosemary's baby two, the sequel. <laughs> right, right. I mean, she had the haircut. She, she could probably pull off. The, 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 right. <laughs> What's right. your face's so, character? Mia Farrow's character. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically the end of End of Days. I mean, it's 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 in, like we said, it's not a bad movie. It's, yeah. it's you know, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna give it a thumbs in the middle. It's entertaining. It does have its issues. It's yeah. one of those movies that could have really have been better, but. For what yeah. it's worth, it's all right. It's yeah. not bad. Yeah, and I and 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 Chris and I when I were talking off air, I don't know. Maybe I said it during the, the, the podcast recording, but I really wanted to love this movie, and I was debating about do I give it a thumbs up or a thumbs in the middle. It's certainly not a thumbs down, in my opinion. I mean, I know there's a, there's a lot of issues with it, like you you mentioned, Chris, and we've talked about. But yeah, I can't I can't really give it a thumbs up, but I'll I'll, I'll go with a thumbs in the middle. So yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. end of days. Yep. So, I mean, you got anything else? Yeah, I've got four fun facts, Chris. Uh, number one, Father Kovac says to Jericho Kane that Satan's greatest trick was convincing man they did not exist. This quote was from the French poet Charles Bonner, Bladenary, which also appears in the 1995 film Usual Suspects, Suspects featuring Gabriel Byrne and Kevin Pollack. <laughs> uh, number two. Great coincidence. Right. <laughs> there are no coincidence, coincidences, Chris, <laughs> when it comes to movies. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Byrne plays both good and evil in the same year. Uh, Satan in this film and, the, and as a Catholic priest in the film, Stig, film Stigmata, also from 99. Ooh. 
Um, the role of Jericho King was originally written for Tom Cruise, but instead he chose to work on Magnolia from the same year, 1999. And finally, number four, there are several ads in the background in different scenes that read NY2K, are you ready? And N and uh, Y2K, that's the sh shorthand for year 2000. And there was a widespread fear that computer operating systems would crash because only the last two digits of the year were used to indicate dates. And we heard that computers would read the 00 as 1900, causing mayhem. There was even an email suggesting suggested suggestions going around that year in 1999. I'm sorry. Uh, there was even an email suggestions going around that in the year 1999, people should change the year of their VCRs to 1976 because the days of the week starting in March 1st would be the same for both years. Mm. Uh, the fear of the Y2K meltdown was exaggerated as time, timely programming fixes were uh, available to prevent major, uh, major catastrophes. Uh, just roughly speaking on this, I vividly, vividly, remember people losing their shit sometimes about yeah, this. Yeah, I do too. People were going bananas. I remember talking with my ex and and uh, I was working two jobs at the time and she was telling me, oh, she's talking to this uh, in some AOL chat room after she got over, she was talking to some rando. She's like, yeah, so-and-so is going to grab a bunch of water and he's going to grab you know all these different supplies and he's going to head up to the mountains because it's at the end of the world. She goes, Maybe we should start do some sort of preparedness like that. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, people. But it was a thing. People were uh, like getting getting gas. I remember going getting going them. There's not hoarding gas, but getting lots of gasoline and for their generators and doing all this kind of crazy stuff because they thought, oh my god, yeah, people going to the banks. Like I mentioned earlier, taking all their money. Because son of a bitch, what happens if you can't get to it, or it's all gone? And yeah, it, it was. I understand the fear a little bit, but come on, we've got there's tons of things in place. Well, you know what? We have a movie like End of Days to remind us of the whole embarrassment of that. So I mean, yeah. it's. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, God, that was so long ago, and I. Yeah. But I do remember it like you did, man. I mean, people did lose their shit over that whole thing. So, yeah. but uh, but fortunately, we have managed to survive that, and we are it, now in the year of 2022. Can you believe that it's been 23 years? Yeah, since, I mean, that's I'm old. <laughs> you're old. Yeah, yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you're older than me, but I'm still old too. So. <laughs> Well, Tim, oh. I think we've uh, covered everything that we could on End of Days, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's time to put uh, End of Days to bed. I think it's uh, it's over. <laughs> so <laughs> with that, let's head to our intermission, and then we'll roll that trailer for Maggie. And we'll be back again with Chris's fine synopsis. me all my life 
Now it's my turn to protect you. There is life with you, not with me. Don't come looking for me. I'm safe. I'm fine. Mr. Vogel, I wouldn't normally release someone with this type of infection. Dad! I need you to follow the rules here. Quarantine is eight weeks in. She's probably gonna show more signs of aggression and hunger. When that happens, say your goodbyes and get her straight through quarantine. Promise your mother to ever protect you. Quarantine rules plot everybody, Wade. Okay, Christopher, take it away, big dog. All right. So we are talking about Maggie from 2015, directed by uh, Henry Hobson, written by John Scott III, I believe. Um, so after fighting against alien invaders, foreign terrorists, and even Beelzebub himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> next role was not playing a character in front of a movie camera, but serving as... Governor of California from 2003 to 2011. And once when his political career came to an end, Schwarzenegger would make a comeback to the movies. But things had changed since entering the political arena, and Hollywood had passed him by. Adding to it, while Arnold still had the rock-steady build and aged gracefully, that didn't necessarily mean the dude was young enough to play the invincible good guy from way back when. But Schwarzenegger was savvy enough to latch onto projects that managed to fit his current persona as well as taking a few risks here and there. One such risk-taking venture is Maggie, which pits Arnold Schwarzenegger facing the zombie apocalypse. Now, I know what you're Ooh thinking. la la. Yeah, I know what you're thinking when I say that. You're thinking Schwarzenegger is full-on action mode, you know, wearing, I'll be back. <laughs> yep, wearing the ripped t-shirt, exposing those abs, holding a submachine gun in his hand, and wasting a bunch of flesh-eating zombies. And yeah, that if sounds it bleeds, like I can kill it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, and you know what? That sounds like an awesome idea. But that's not what Maggie is about. Again, this is risk-taking Arnold Schwarzenegger we are talking about. And Maggie is really, believe it or not, a dramatic horror film featuring a very subdued Schwarzenegger performance and no over-the-top action sequences in sight. Of course, the very idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger being um, tender in a horror movie <laughs> with dramatic overtones might be somewhat off-putting at first, but... Maggie is a surprising little item that plays to Schwarzenegger's stunt casting quite well. If any, it's very likely the one Arnold movie that is quite outside his standard filmography. So Maggie takes place in the American Midwest and the country is under siege 
over a strange virus that can turn people into flesh-eating zombies. Wade Vogel, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is seeking out his teenage daughter Maggie, played by Abigail Breslin. She was bitten by a zombie, and out of fear of becoming a danger to her family, she decided to run away from home. After being out on the road for two weeks, Wade eventually finds Maggie at a hospital and decides to bring her home. Once Wade brings Maggie back to their farm with their stepmother, Caroline, played by Jolie Richardson, it is decided that Maggie's younger half-siblings, Bobby and Molly, are to be sent to live with their aunt for their safety. As the world seems to be falling apart day by day, Wade does his utmost to reconnect with Maggie and do everything he can to help her. But as the infection spreads, Maggie is slowly becoming a zombie, and Wade will have to make that crucial decision that he knows will come. So yes, and and that really is like the entire plot line for this. uh, I think it's like 96-minute or 90-minute movie. But I will say this. it's um, Compare this to... um, the last movie we talked about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, and that movie was what it was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I didn't hate that movie, but it was, it was, it was, you know, it was beyond ridiculous for its concept. Well, well, here's the thing. But we, what I, what I really loved about this movie is that it's Arnold without being Arnold. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and end of days is Arnold just being Arnold in a race, in a racer, true lies, uh, Goddamn a picket commando, uh, a predator, or uh, any, 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 pick any, any of his movies other than this one. Yeah, which, which is, is, is like you said in your synopsis, I really enjoyed. He's older now. Um, he's made his money already, so now he and he, he took a risk. He took a chance in this movie. Well, it is interesting to note that when he was finished being governor of California. You know, the governator. Yeah, the governator. <laughs> yes, I mean, he was taking some interesting. I mean, yes, he was in. Um, you know, he was in like the Expendables and Expendables too. But he that's, was also that's, in the, that's, easy, that's a payday. That's easy payday. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But then he, the other movie he did, which I hadn't seen yet, I was actually reading about it hmm. a couple of days ago, was The Last Stand from 2013. And most reviews that talk about that movie mentioned that you know it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, but. You know, it's Arnold kind of playing against type. Like he's not quite the invincible. You know, oh, is that where he, play, where he plays like sheriff or something like that of a small town? Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Actually, I want to see that too. It's on my list, uh, and I was just yeah. trying to double check with you. Go on. Yeah, I, I got that on my list too. But I mean, and then he, you know, and then um, he did another movie that I, I, I actually reviewed back during our um, uh, Severpod days. I don't know what it that was, is. It, it, oh, <laughs> What the movie I'm going to mention or Severpod? Well, both. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, to, Continue. To remind, our, to remind our audience, we used to do a show that was uh, the original version of the show called the Super Evil uh, Robot Podcast of Doom. That was back in the day when um, we were we were with the lovely Dave Rodriguez, and we were actually trying to record. <laughs> oh, oh, it is it is kitchen. <laughs> oh. That's okay. That's how no budget it was. <laughs> it's, <laughs> hobbit, it's a hobbit hole. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, the movie that we we did that thing. What was it? It was called. Was it called Two Minute Drill or something like that? Oh, was, oh, God, yeah, Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. Now you okay. now you jog something loose. Go on. Yeah. So the the Schwarzenegger movie I remember reviewing that was called Sabotage in 2014, and I reviewed that because somebody told me about it, and they said it's a it's an action revenge movie, but there's like this weird, like minor overtone of like slasher revenge going on. Mm. So that's why I checked it out. 
but uh, that one was kind of different too. And then, you know, and then he did Escape Plan from 2013, which I haven't really seen that one yet. But is that where he's with Sylvester Stallone and they're in a, yes, a prison? Yeah, yeah. They made yeah, like yeah. two movies off that, I think. Jesus. Right. I think that movie though is. Um, uh, I haven't seen it, but I do know it was produced by the uh, Emmett Furla Films team, which was responsible for making all those terrible um, um, Bruce Willis direct-to-VOD movies that, sadly, Willis is now starting to become remembered for. Yeah, and, 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 and that's, an, that's, that's a sad story for another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, it is, but I'm just saying, though, I mean... yeah. Uh, seeing that name with Schwarzenegger and Stallone on an escape plan kind of makes me not really want to check that one out. Which, but. um, maybe for hard up for ideas, we'll do an escape plan franchise because there's two episodes, there's two movies. I'm like, did if you yeah, escaped but, once, do you get caught and you have to escape again? Yeah, but, again, <laughs> but those aren't horror movies, so no, we're, I know. We're, kind of, we're kind of stuck in that, <laughs> but well, anyways, it'll be a one off. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> Go on. But um, no, I, you know, Maggie, I think was, and I, I actually was surprised. I, I, I swear to God, this is how like absent-minded I am sometimes with this. But I actually thought Maggie was made slightly recently. I did not realize this was from no, 2015. Actually, so I saw year dates. Well, I, rem- I remember having this on in like queue forever because I remember telling you. Uh, we talk, or I was talking about this, or me at least mentioning it to you, uh, back in, in our first couple of seasons. Like, oh man, if we could do a oh. tw- 2015 like horror episode, this is slotted. And I'm like, I need to find something. And I'm like, then a few years have passed, and we had, or a few seasons have passed. And I'm like, oh shit, okay. Well, now that I remember, oh, end of days, we could do an Arnold Schwarzenegger double feature. And then yep. we did the whole Empire thing, and I'm like, oh fuck, okay. Well, all right, next year. <laughs> Next season, next year. I know it's amazing. We we come up with the uh, seriously. We do come up with these things, and then sometimes they just get pushed back. Believe like me, I, the shit inside my head you would not believe. I've got stuff panned out for like season twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I, but as I was saying though, I was like, I I I was did not realize. I mean, well, you told me, but yeah, as yeah. as the years have gone by, yeah, um, I did not. I forgot. I did not realize that this was from 2015 because I actually thought that this was like a recent movie. <laughs> well, here, here's the beauty of Maggie is that that it it's it's feel it's feels modern. No matter what it is, because there's really there's a, there's no really lack of internet. There's no lack of there's there's nothing lack of anything that could tell you that it's you're, you're basically living in a half zombie apocalypse. I want to say, mm-hmm. because I mean, there's no, there's no computer. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, cell phones that I can really see so, so far. I mean, so basically it's, it's almost, it's like the walking dead almost, but walking. Yeah. Dead, well, this film, I think since it came out in 2015, I think it sort of was like hovering around when, Walking oh yeah, Dead well, came well, out I and... think I think Walking Dead came out. I want to say when we we're still doing separate parts. So Walking Dead came out probably two or three years before Maggie. God. But, <laughs> but here's the thing: is Walking Dead is why they tried to humanize Walking Dead. It still feels like a Romero. Feels like all these different kind of zombie movies we've seen a thousand times. This one is it takes a more dramatic approach to, to yeah. a, a genre. That's what I really like about it. They 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 they, take, they kind of flip the script a little bit where it's like okay, so we've seen how these people are dealing with the zombie apocalypse, but how do you deal with when someone's turning and it's not as fast as let's say a Romero or a Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead where it's like you're right. dealing with the aftermath you're you're right smack dab in the middle of the blue. You're like right there in the middle of the moment. Yeah, and the movie is and Maggie really isn't about like 
surviving the zombie apocalypse no. in like in like action film terms. Right. It's, it's really it, like it's like, almost like, like they're trying to maintain it. Like they're trying yeah, to, to, or to, the to very or the very least in the case of the way how Schwarzenegger's character is concerned, he's more or less just trying to go about his daily life despite mm-hmm. all of the you know, chaos that's going on around him and around where he's living at and along with people that he knows. Yeah. But I mean, so, I mean, I, I, so like I said, I, I did like this movie a lot more than end of days. I mean, end, end, end of days is what it is. Like you said, it's a, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger it's a, movie. It's a standard, where, it's a standard action movie with, yeah. with a supernatural flair. Yeah. Whereas this one is not, it's, it's a surprisingly somber and, mm-hmm. um, a very dramatic uh, he, take on the the zombie apocalypse. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Honor does not fire a machine gun or a gun yeah, at uh, all in ninety minutes. Which I mean, which I is, do believe he has a rifle in this. He has a rifle, but he never he, uses it. He, yeah, he, he never uses it. <laughs> he, uses, he uses an axe, and it, and honestly, this I think I don't know if this is, movie is rated PG thirteen because there's really for a zombie apocalypse kind of movie. There is not a lot of violence. I believe they show they didn't even show the killings. Remember where we're gonna get to it. I'm sorry, we're not gonna, I'm skipping ahead, but where uh Maggie's in the field, he goes after the two zombies that are that are coming onto his property, but he uses a like an axe or, or yeah. whatever it is. Um and yeah, and they didn't even they didn't even show that. Right. Uh, now I will say this though too, um, and we'll get into it. I mean I thought they did a pretty good job utilizing Schwarzenegger's because, you know, as I said before about him, you know, he's not the actor that you would give him like a full page of Shakespeare to. And expect oh, to. I mean, but, and I but say would, that you get, not, you, you, would you give that to Chuck Norris or Dolph Lundgren or any? Well, <laughs> I got to be honest. I think Dolph Lundgren could probably pull Chuck Norris. Not so much, but I, I mean, I do agree. I mean, like you, that's the thing about certain performers. You look at their, 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 what they can do and what their limitations are. Right. I, and I, and, and when I make that comment, I'm not making it like I don't, whenever someone makes a comment like that, they make it sound like, well, you don't like him at all. Like, no, that's not the point. No, the point no. is you have to look at like certain performers and know what their strengths and weaknesses are. And know and their limitations and their weak, yeah, yeah, yeah. And their strengths and, and weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. And, and Schwarzenegger, he's good at playing, I mean, not just good, he's great at, he's great at playing the alpha male, which is fine because that's mm-hmm. what you want in that type of scenario action film type, type movie. Mm-hmm. And, but Maggie, for him, it's not about that in a way. It, well, actually, let me take the back. It is kind of like that. He has to be a strong male character, but he's also has to, you know, um, do it in a way that doesn't involve him, like going through the whole vendetta revenge Ooh. motif, you know, because who is he going to be? A, who is he taking his revenge out on? Just yeah, anybody? Well, nobody, well, yeah, nobody yeah, specific. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it, and, <laughs> and what also works, too, is that, you know. They um, the script writers do a pretty good job of not giving him a lot to work with in terms of, you know, the dialogue. But they also do a good job in terms of like his uh, allowing his his um, his physical actions and his uh, internal emotions to sort of to help out in the film. Well, now, I, I, were you able to watch any of the special? There was only two special features on my um, on my Voodoo account with the, no, with the film. No, I didn't see that yet. So no. I was watching it, and uh, Arnold was talking about, you know, how he got into the headspace, and he was like, he goes, well, he has two daughters, and he was just trying to figure out how he would be, how, how he would act in yeah. this kind of certain situation where it's like, look, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. 
but how do you go from your day-to-day life and it was it was really insightful i mean i i don't got deep in this like 18 yeah. minute interview and along with abigail uh benson i believe her name is abigail and, breslin yeah. breslin breslin sorry um and she does a wonderful job too. I mean, she's a great actress, and we've seen her in Zombieland and Zombieland Two, and yeah. she's been in, in uh, Scream Queen. She's she's been, she's done a lot of horror and horror comedy stuff, but this this is different. This is, in my opinion, it's risk taking on a smaller scale. Um, and I thought, for the most part, the uh, the pluses the, the pluses outweigh the minuses. Yeah. Is it a perfect movie? No, but it's it's a different take on something we've seen a thousand times. Right, and I but- applaud that. So. Yeah, and and I have, and I will say this. I mean, there are. I mean, I, I do feel though. I mean, because like I said, I, I watch it, and um, I I do like the movie. I do feel that there are some parts that I kind of wish that they took a little further in terms of its dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I will also say, I do think if if someone asks me what was a major minus side for the movie. I did not like how this film was shot. I did not like the camera work. It was most, I mean, I, I don't. We talked about this off air, but yes, go on. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like handheld camera work, but in this case, it felt like they were relying on it because they didn't have any time to keep the camera stationary. And, and so it's like every shot is like constantly like, you know, you know, it's handheld because it's constantly jiggling around. Right. And I was just like, and I was like, because there are there are moments where I'm sitting there going, keep the camera on on sticks or keep it on a tripod, you know, right. because let well, let's soak up the the dramatics that are going on here. Right. I just and, felt like they were relying on that to like get things shot as quickly as possible, and well, I'm like, no, that doesn't really work very well. Yeah, I, I, and I and I will say I've got some fun facts about that, and uh, uh, when we get to that segment uh, or part of the show, but. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There are some things like, yeah, put it on a tripod, soak up the dramatic thing. I'm like, I don't mind handheld too, uh, to a certain degree, but when, especially, especially when they're focusing at the, uh, where the doctor is talking to, uh, Wade, yeah. or Ar- Ar- Arnold's character, Wade, and we started like, okay, so you've got like three options. He goes like, either you put her in a quarantine with all these other, like, zombies of varying degree or whatever it is. And I don't, they don't, I don't even call them zombies, do they? Uh, but uh, other. They don't, but I mean, like, we know that's what they right. are because they, right. they, so, they hinted through the lines and everything. Right. So if it, one was like, put her in a quarantine with all these other people that have, they're varying degrees of like transformation. Right. And and either way, she's going to get this cocktail that why she seems like nothing can hurt her right now. This cocktail will be very, very painful and very disturbing to watch if you take it or or number three, you just kind of like put a bullet in her head kind of thing. Yeah. And he he goes, either way you need to choose one of these options because she has like less time than originally stated on his, like his report. Now his report it should be noted in the film that he said he gave her gave him like an extra few days, but he's like, she's she's uh, she's uh, deteriorating pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. now what they don't explain too much is um, that how she got infected. I think it was through her boyfriend Trent or Trevor. Uh, no, but they, they no, they made it sound like she got like bit by some random. Like, random okay infected person because her boyfriend because... was also infected too. Yeah, but that they don't really get into how he got infected. Right, right. It's, it's, it's. It, yeah, they don't really talk about that. But they, I think, in regards to the Maggie character, she apparently got bitten by, or she got bitten by someone that was infected. Like, she, like she was it, out. It had no, 
picking daisies. Yeah, that she was out. Right, right, right. And and she, it was like no one specifically related to anybody in the movie. Yeah. Well, like real it, life, like, basically. That, that actually... I'm sorry. Go right, on. right. Well, yeah. no, the um, well, OK, so how this movie begins is basically um, she Maggie played by Abigail Breslin calls uh, her father uh, Wade and tells him not to come looking for her. But he comes and looks for her anyways. He, and he spends two weeks looking for her yeah. on the road. So, so he leaves his family, yeah. his young, his young family. Cause he's got a, he's got another son and daughter with his, with his, uh, with his, uh, I guess his new wife, because his ex-wife passed away or his other wife passed away. Yeah. And, and, and before we get into that, I found that very interesting because that's one part of the script that kind of threw me off a little bit because when we're introduced to the mother, um, there's a point where maybe it's me, but I, when I watch this, there was a point where I was like, they don't even like explain or anything or mention that she's the stepmother yet. Right. Cause fact, there's a fact, scene, cause, cause there's on. a scene later on when they talk about the mother, but they talk about the mother, like, you know, in the past tense. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but wait a minute, if you're talking about her in the past tense, why, who's this other, ra- is this some random chick that's li- yeah. living with Arnold's character? <laughs> So, uh, dear dear listeners, basically what you're what we're saying is that when I first watched the movie, when Chris first when Chris watched this movie, and when I first watched this movie, I honestly thought the uh, step or his his wife was actually like his, uh, an auntie at, for, at yeah. first. But what 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 and it's and it's said and it's said very quickly and almost nonchalantly. And I think they should have like maybe focused on that for like one minute. Is that yeah. his his wife or the woman he's living with? With the with the two children, is his uh, stepwife or his uh, or if you say stepwife, stepmother, yeah. well, he's not his stepmother. It's his his oh. second his second wife. Second it, wife second because wife, yeah. not not because he divorces his first wife, but because she passed away for some un, unrelated circumstances, whatever. Yeah, and she so, happened to love daisies. But right. continuing on. But anyways, so Wade eventually finds her at a finds Maggie at a hospital, and uh, um, you know I. I have to mention this too. All right, <laughs> and again, you should be you shouldn't always, be laughing. <laughs> I know, but this always comes up in regards to Schwarzenegger playing American characters. I don't know what you're talking about. Despite his Austrian accent, but once again, they give totally him, southern. <laughs> they, they they give him a very slightly American sounding name that doesn't seem to fit. I mean, I. I, I I mean, his name is is uh, Wade Vogel. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't laugh as as much as yeah. when I was watching this, yeah. but I was like thinking to myself once again, the the whole action persona, <laughs> weird good guy, weird see- name comes up. <laughs> I, 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 I said this in the when we reviewed End of Days, but I'm like I keep hearing hearing Bill Murray's voice. Where are you from originally? From Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like, um, I almost want, like, I would have been fine if his name was like Norman. Okay, <laughs> but 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 when, but, but when it got to Wade, I was like, all right, now look, <laughs> they could have changed that on the spot. Wade Smith. Like, Wade Smith. Wade Smith. Wade Smith. Or Wade Parsons or something, but I mean, like you know, Anderson maybe. <laughs> Wade Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, but like I said, when I was watching it, I was like, when he said his name, I'm like, once again, the the, <laughs> act, the action, the weird hero action name pops up in, in in a dramatic movie like this. I mean, it's like, come on. 
I guess because it was Arnold, they they yeah. couldn't really like you know. <laughs> look, look, if Arnold says he wants to be in your independent movie, you say okay. I, I know, <laughs> but you, you, but when he says okay, you, you can do like you know, you can do like um um subtle rewrites here and there yeah. that'll help. Yeah, like like, like, like he was. He came over in, from Austria in the 1980s. That works for me. He became a farmer. It's fine. It happens. Uh, I, 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 no, actually, I would buy that. I would just say, like... You'd buy that for a dollar? No, I, I would buy that for 10 bucks. But, I mean, I but I would like him to have something a little more than Wade, because it doesn't sound very Austrian. <laughs> the other kids made fun of my name, Maybe, so I, I changed mean, it. <laughs> You know oh, what? Though, that you know what? I, I'll be honest. If they did, if they did that too, uh -huh. if they did that, I I would I would have given that a lot more credit. I would have been like, okay, okay. I have nothing to make fun of now. <laughs> it works. You're making me but really anyways, have to work hard on. for this. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but back at it though. So yes. Um. So Wade shows up at the hospital, and um, uh, they tell him that uh, um. Uh, that she should be there or she mm -hmm. should be in in quarantine and of course he doesn't want to do that he wants to take her home mm -hmm. so he takes he takes her home and you know all we know of at this point in the movie is that you know that there's this virus going around and you know people are basically that are infected become uh like mindless like they don't even call them zombies, as yeah. we talked about, but they become basically like mind. They do basically become mindless zombies, right. and um, they do, they do mention a f at least two or three times that uh, that they when they start to turn that they start to the 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 human flesh starts to smell like food. They'll get the scent like something's cooking, yeah. like, you know, in like the kitchen. And right, go on. So Wade, of course. So and also um, because it takes place in the Midwest, it's like it feels like um, everything is pretty much like it's crumbling around them. It's like, you know, whatever urban areas there mm -hmm. are, it looks like it's just falling apart and everything. And it's, it's, you know, basically what we are witnessing is the slow day by day existence of the world coming to an end yeah. because of this virus. Right. And, and, it's, and, 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 and the movie shot in the, uh, uh, not almost like a black and white, but more of a grayish tone. Yeah, it's like the color is it, sort of it zapped reduced. out. Like, they're, like, good luck looking for like vibrant primary colors in this thing. You're, you're not yeah. going to get that. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm sorry, so, I didn't mean to cut you off. But continue. Sorry. No, no, that's all right. No, it's a very interesting observation. And uh, so Wade, of course, is taking her home, and you know, she she's she sort of doesn't like believe at first that he was looking for her, but you know, he tells her that, you know, I spent two weeks on the road looking for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So they end up at a gas station and they got to get gas. And of course, and again, like I said, it's like everywhere they go, like everywhere they go to, like the place is falling apart. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the gas station looks like it's almost abandoned. Uh, Schwarzenegger. I, I, I like this bit. I, I actually like this part here where Schwarzenegger goes inside right. to pay for the gas and, you know, knowing full well that the world is coming to an end, that there's nobody attending the gas station, mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't think to yourself, well, I'm going to leave money for the gas station. But Schwarzenegger does. I, I like that little moment where he just pulls out 20 bucks and, like, gently Slaps. puts it on the table. Right. The counter. <laughs> yeah. But, like, they, but he needs to take a leak, so. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but what happens when he goes to the to, – to to the uh, the back storage area of the gas station. Too. Well, th there's a cashier 
zombie person uh, yep. in, in the bathroom about to attack Wade while he's trying to take a piss. Uh, <laughs> which I would be just pissing down my leg at this point. But yeah. Wade, Wade takes him out, uh, and, and not in the true Arnold Schwarzenegger fashion where he's throwing him over tables or throwing through him a wall. He just yeah. kind of he slightly just chokes him out, and that's it. I mean, even the um, even Arnold subdued all the violence is subdued, and I mean, and this is what to me makes it feel more real than let's say a George Romero Night of the Living Dead or Day of the Living Dead or Walking Dead. I know I mentioned this already, but I, I, I it bears repeating because we grew up with these movies. We love these movies. I love these movies. I love these TV shows. And but this it, it felt. God damn it! Felt more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just well, it's that. also not like that scene in End of Days with that old that old middle aged <laughs> lady like just oh. like wailed on wailed on Schwarzenegger and threw yeah, yeah where she's like ripped up on steroids and satanic j- juice <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then throw and then he throws her head into that glass table. <laughs> Bitch, God it coming. That scene still <laughs> sticks in my mind. Well, cause, yeah, because she's five foot nothing, and she's he's being taken out. He, he's like what, like at least six three, six four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. being taken out by someone's at least a good foot and a half shorter than he is. Hey, careful with the hardware. <laughs> you know, when, when we, we t- when, when you and I try to do the Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, impersonation, all I keep thinking of the Simpsons Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Oh yeah, you mean uh, uh, Rainer Wolfcast? Yeah. Which, oh. Which, which I not to get sidetracked on that, but you just totally triggered this in my mind. I remember the one where Bart Simpson, like, uh, you know, skips school and he ends up at Mayor Quimby's um, uh-huh. party shindig, and Ar- Rainer Wolfcastle is there, and Bart says to him, "Hey man, I love your movies, except that last one. It really sucked." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Chief Wiggum is there. He turns around, and he goes, "Yeah." I saw that movie too. Magic ticket, my ass. <laughs> and they were referring to the last action hero, which was the Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> well, here's the thing: wasn't he like supposed to be uh, the, the Rainier Wolf, whatever it is? Supposed to, yeah, as we continue down on this rabbit hole, apparently, uh, <laughs> radioactive man. He was supposed to be radioactive man, the comic book hero in yeah, the, yeah, in yeah, the movie. Yeah. But then also in the Simpsons movie, the Rainer Wolf Castle plays the president of the United States, and, <laughs> and his name is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and he said something like, you know, like, um, you know, the person comes in and says, Mr. President, we have a problem. And he goes, oh, problem this, problem that. No one opens up a joke. Oh, I miss Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We're, we're adding a lot of levity to a movie we're talking about that's somber and sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Uber. But let's, let's get the show back on track here. Okay, yeah, so, so <laughs> where are we at? <laughs> no, so, we're at the uh, gas station, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So Wade, of course, uh, takes out the zombie and then, you know, tells Maggie that they got to go. <laughs> and Maggie grabs a new pair of sunglasses. <laughs> right, right, right. It, cause she, and and, and that, uh, that actually comes into play later in the movie because um, as she, she's getting more ill and sickly you know around her eyes you can see like her um her skin is peeling right so she uses those those big ray-ban sunglasses to like sort of hide that out right. it's almost like she's auditioning to be a um um either a runway model or a uh sleazy um record producer so uh, <laughs> take your anyway, pick take your pick ladies and gentlemen take your pick whichever one you want <laughs> So Wade takes Maggie home to their farm, which uh, we have to assume that uh, as that 
whatever that they've done on this farm are no longer doing because the place is starting to get run down. I mean, we don't we don't really see Arnold doing a lot of farm work around here. You know, not yeah, it seems like it's pretty much a a, a dead issue. <laughs> oh, dum bum Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like the the farm setting in uh, Brightburn, where like they're oh. farm, but they're not really doing any farming. <laughs> <laughs> they try until they're evil they're, until the alien suddenly you know evaporate everything <laughs> I know. with his laser eyes <laughs> but still you know like before all that it's like <laughs> the place is falling apart they're not they're not planting any crops or doing anything it's do you have any potatoes <laughs> yeah or potatoes you know i mean come on but but anyways now mm. what happens afterwards is like you know to not not to get too too into it, but there's not a lot going on once when they get into the farmhouse. You know, we're introduced to um, we're introduced to um, Caroline, the stepmother, played right. by Julie Richardson, um, and, and the two kids, and the two kids, yes, um, uh, Bobby and Molly, who we really don't we we don't get to see much of them because it's, oh. decided, it's decided by Wade and 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 the stepmother that they're going to send them off to uh, an aunt's house, right? To Although take we do care of them for a little bit. We we do see a little a little monologue with between uh, Bobby and uh, Maggie. Not so much the oh. other the, the other uh, the, the smaller daughter or the smaller kid kid, but yeah. Well, the kids the one of the kids suspects what's happening to. Right. Um, to, to, to Maggie. Maggie, but they don't really get too into it. But no. nevertheless, uh, Wade decides to take um, the kids, the, the, the two kids, to the aunt's house, mm-hmm. leaving Maggie with um, the stepmother Caroline. And there's a now that now there's a moment in this movie where um, um, Maggie, uh, she she's like she goes on doesn't she go on a swing? And yeah, then yeah, she, she falls yeah, off. Right, and she and she like breaks her finger. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she breaks her finger, and the 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 stepmother is watching her from the window while she's like cutting up vegetables or meat or whatever it is for a stew, and she runs out there and she grabs Maggie and they take her inside and then she leaves to go get some sort of medical supplies and Maggie takes the knife and like cuts off her finger, yeah, and then wraps it up with a dish towel. And but then what does she do with the finger? Doesn't she like she, throw it oh, down? She the, throws it the disposal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the sink disposal. Right, and and. <laughs> It, what should be noted that uh, Maggie's doesn't have red blood anymore. It's all black, like goo. Yeah, so right. she's uh, deteriorating rapidly. All right, and then of course she runs outside, and then and then now uh, they encounter um, a neighbor by the name of Nathan and mm-hmm. um, Nathan's daughter. Right, and apparently the wife mm-hmm. of Nathan. Uh, left them at the house, like like basically just left them there, like to quarantine them. Right. But uh, they apparently were infected, and now they've become zombies. And there's a, and there and then uh, Wade shows up and basically has to kill, make that the crucial decision of you know killing Nathan or, you, you know, yeah. just trying to reason with him because he doesn't quite seem to know what's happened yet, because you know he just says his name and. Right. Tries to like talk to him, even though Nathan's like breathing heavily and doesn't. Na- Nathan's talk not there. Nathan's not there anymore. It's, yeah, not uh, anymore. Yeah, and so of course Wade has to make the executive decision and 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 kill uh, Nathan and the and the zombified daughter as well. Yeah, but again, and, they allude to it. They never show it. So it happens. Everything happens off screen. 
Right, right. And then and then and, and we should also mention too that there are two other characters in this movie. Uh the sheriff, uh Ray Pierce, played by Douglas Griffin, and the deputy mm-hmm. played by uh, JD Evermore, who we don't get to see much in this movie. They kind of come in increments. But yeah. I do kind of wish they were in the movie a little more because I felt like their presence would have added a lot more uh, conflict mm. because uh, the sheriff seems to be willing to um, to sympathize with Wade's situation, right. we, whereas we, the deputy a little less. Yeah, we, we we get the feeling that Wade and the sheriff uh, from we can we can gather this from from the, the few minutes they have on screen together that they were friends uh, or or at least friendly towards one another, and that because Wade says something about always being there for his family and being there for yeah. his, his first wife when she passed away and he was always a good dude and all this stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm surmising, uh, but that's what, that's what you can gather from their interactions. Yeah. But I, I, I wish they were in the movie a little more because um, it's almost like, like I said, they come in increments whenever they come, you know, it's like the, um, the deputy wants to put Maggie in quarantine Mm-hmm. And then the sheriff steps in and controls the situation and then they leave. And then it happens again later on. And then it it kind of intensifies a little bit, but we don't get to know anything about them that much. It would have been very helpful in the story if like, let's say the sheriff had a similar, had suffered a similar problem that Wade suffers. Like maybe one of his kids got infected and then became, you know, uh, became a zombie and had to like make that executive decision right? or maybe put their kid into quarantine. And then, and then of course there's, you know, the deputy, maybe he doesn't have kids and doesn't understand and doesn't have any emotional understanding of what's going on. I just, I just felt like their characters, yeah. they were sort of like, they just what they were just brought in there to sort of like, you know, like serve as good cop, bad cop to the situation. But we never find out anything about them that much or about like why, why they care considering what's going on around the Midwest area, you know? (laughs) So in my opinion, this is a very, uh, and, and I should, well, it's my opinion, but it's what I had noticed is it's a very minimalist movie. There's there's not a lot of locations. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but it should also be noted that after Maggie arrives, and I don't know if this is before or after her accident on the swing, but some high school friends of her show up to go for a bonfire. Oh, that's afterwards. Okay, that's after afterwards. that's afterwards. Okay, so um, – so yeah, so they show uh, her one of her high school besties shows up and uh, with uh, her, her her boyfriend and they're going to a bonfire like because we I get we you get the fact that this is the probably the end of the school year end of the high school and they're going to go all move on yeah uh, and some are going to die <laughs> um, but uh, so they're it's again it's a very small bonfire of maybe what like six kids you think six teenagers right six right, eighteen years. Right. And one of them is Trevor, who was Maggie. Well, no, his name his name is Trent, though. Oh, Trent, sorry, Trent, Trent, yeah. Trent sorry, Trent, not Trevor, Trent. Trent, it was Maggie's, I guess, ex boyfriend. But they seem to be very cordial. They seem to be very, very friendly. So we'll just say they dated. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's at the bonfire, and he's also recently turned or recently been bitten or whatever. So Maggie and Trent, right? Trent. Yeah. Trent have like this. Um, have a connection together, and they're sitting around this bonfire, and they're chit chatting, and they're there's you know talking about what they've heard basically. And Trent's like, "Oh man, I I I'll never go to quarantine, man. What I've heard is it's just they lump you all into you know the really really infected people who are really crazy and you know gonna you know be uh, zombies basically to 
uh, freshly, you know, bitten people who are still maybe maybe can have a chance. I don't know, uh, but they they all lump us in there, and I, I'd rather basically I'd rather die. I'd rather eat a bullet than do that. Uh, so we get his we get a sense of his head where he's at in his headspace, and we get where Maggie is like, well, you know, don't be so I guess dark maybe don't, I don't, don't be too downtrodden yeah, who knows yes. maybe, maybe there might be some right hope. but, but so, you know yeah, so but to be fair yeah. but to be fair about that the somber nature of this movie doesn't quite give that impression. right right yeah so so basically what happens is they end up like kissing on a bus and so you get the feeling that yeah there, there are something there between these two kids and um, and that, and that's basically all there is to like her friends and they're, they're in and out in like five. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a scene later on in the movie where, um, Trent, apparently his situation, his condition gets worse. Right. And uh, he locks himself in a room and, you know, they call Maggie over to help maybe try to help coax him out. And then in the meantime, you've got like the SWAT team coming in to right. take him away. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and it's all because he, he started to smell his dad as food. Yeah. Right. And his dad got freaked and the, yeah, there was a call made to the, the uh, to the Schwarzenegger residence for Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> to Wade. <laughs> to Wade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that's where we're at with that. So uh, Trent's hauled off and we never see Trent again. Um, uh, cause then we basically, we're basically just focusing and now, um, I believe it's where, where, where does the stepmother get freaked out and she finally decides well, to leave no. before that, that now, as I mentioned before, we never quite know 100% that she's the stepmother until later on. Uh, there's a scene where Schwarzenegger is working on his truck uh, yes. out, out in the barn and, and, and uh, Maggie's there talking to him and, and they start t on the subject of um, what mom was like and uh, you know, like what did she see in, in Wade that made her stick with him and all that stuff. And when I, when they talked about that I, for a minute there, I was, as I mentioned before, I was sitting there going, wait a minute, isn't that the mother that's like in the house with them? Why are they talking about the mother? Like she's in the past tense, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then of course it's like, Oh, so is she the stepmother? Oh, all right. I guess, you know I mean? Like I just felt like, there needed to be a little more of that there right. because like, like, you know, if he said something like she passed away and then I met Caroline and then, you know, it was just you know, something like that. But love at first sight kind of thing. Like, or like a new love at first sight. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah I never thought I could love again. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not make it too cheesy, but I mean, definitely. Get, definitely well, it's like, such a somber tone here. I don't know if you could make that cheesy. <laughs> well, that type of dialogue. Oh, like, well, yeah. I, I found love again. Well, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see him saying that. <laughs> all right. Well, something to that degree, but in a much yeah, more somber degree. tone. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, and then um, now after that, there's a moment in the movie where there's like two shots where this happens where we cut to a shot of a fox out in the field mm -hmm. and then it cuts to something else. And then it cuts to, and then after that it cuts to the fox again. And then it's like, it cuts something. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, why are we cutting to this fox? Like in varying moments of this movie, <laughs> what's going on here? And then right. all of a sudden it's, it, it's explained quite well that there's a, there was a trap set up for the catch this fox. So the fox is caught. Mm -hmm. and Maggie hears the fox making noises outside. So she goes out there 
and she opens the cage and then off we don't see it but off screen mm-hmm. she decides to chow down on the fox right <laughs> and then she comes home and she's completely out of it and that's what freaks out uh the stepmother caroline right right then she and and, to, and she's covered and her face is covered in the fox's blood and her hands and her her white dress uh yeah and it freaks out caroline and caroline decides to go <laughs> and says yeah. and so now it's just maggie and uh and then wade at the, at the at the farm um yeah and and i remember it was heartbreaking and maggie's like i just wanted to let it free but i couldn't control myself i just wanted to release it from its cage yeah so, but then Wade has to make go out there, find the half-eaten fox who's still, I guess, barely alive. Yeah, and Wade's uh, got to put it out of his yeah, misery. Which I'm like, how do you? How does? How does? That, that, I, in my opinion, I've dealt with a lot of like, I wouldn't say a lot, but enough dead animals, like from my dog chasing a rabbit to having having a stroke out or have a heart attack, where I have to get rid of it. There, this thing wouldn't still be alive. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. But be, I mean, like they, yeah. but. I have to say, I did like this moment because it certainly serves a dramatic purpose. Because oh, for sure, yeah. It, because it it it, it asks it, it the scene asks Wade the question of, would well, he be able to do it? Yeah, you're able to put this fox out of its misery. Now, are you going to be able to do that with your daughter? Because you know he has no connection to this fox. It's not obviously it's not a family member or something right. like that. Right. It's it's a wild it's animal. It's not the family that, fox. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's a wild animal that that it's got to be put out of its misery, but. Again, it asks the question in regards to his character towards how he's going to handle Maggie when that time comes. Mm-hmm. So, and um, uh, and and we forgot to mention too. Now there was a moment earlier on in which um, after um, Wade had put uh, the neighbor um, uh, Nathan and the, Nathan, yeah, Nathan and the daughter out of its misery, that the wife uh, Bonnie shows up and. At his house late at night, <laughs> how appropriate when they're sleeping with uh-huh. a with a six shooter on her, <laughs> as if she's gonna try to kill Arnold. Right. <laughs> but then you know he's like she's like I want you to take me to where they where they were at, and he takes her there, and then she she sees the the dead bodies and breaks down and cries and doesn't you know doesn't shoot Arnold or anything like that, and you know that wasn't a bad scene, but I did wish that there was a little more you know again a little more of the a little more conflict between her and, 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 and the, the Schwarzenegger's character. Cause I, you know, I felt like they could have done something where like, you know, maybe there was some bad blood between them, you know, in as much as they didn't like each other as neighbors, you know, maybe, you know, there was some odd conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, I agree with you. This movie is doing a lot with very little, but I felt like in terms of those dramatics, there could have been more there, but for, for me, it's like, they're just too tired. They're, you know what? That could, that, that they're just too damn tired. I'm like, it, it's like, yeah, there could have been some conflict there, but I'm like, it's a zombie goddamn apocalypse. I know, uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree too. But I also feel like at least one of these characters should be like really, like right. not I, Schwarzenegger is, but he's doing it in a very um, internal way. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like, in as much as everybody is just tired, I, you know, at least have one character like be a little more animated about how they want to be, how they want to survive the world, because because right. well, everything is falling apart around them. Right. Somebody, and, somebody is gonna go. 
go insane. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want the, and again, I would rather them not go overboard and have them like firing a gun up in the sky and right. laughing maniacally, but you know, at least, you know, try to try to um, have the characters have at least one character try to make sense of everything <laughs> while they're going mad. <laughs> okay. But, but that's a, that's a tall, that's a tall order, but okay, we'll try. <laughs> okay. Well, we can't do it now because they've already made the movie, but <laughs> yeah, like 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anyways, there's another moment where, um, after that whole situation with, um, with, um, Maggie and the Fox and Caroline being all worried, about mostly, I believe her safety, her well, yeah. own safety. Well, not, yeah, uh, because if you, if you, yeah, I'm sorry. If you remember, I think it was before, maybe it was before the Fox. Maybe it had to be before the Fox, where she's like, where where Maggie's like um, smelling food, yeah, being cooked, and she's like, oh well, Wade's probably downstairs cooking something in the kitchen. So now, much like her ex boyfriend or her, you know, Trent, he was smelling food, and we know this from the doctor that. The human flesh, they, it starts to smell like somebody's cooking a delicious meal in the other room, and they can't right. control themselves eventually. So that kind of freaks out Caroline as well, too. I think that's what that's the final straw, or maybe it was a was it a I think the fox first, then it was the uh, smelling of her. I don't remember. Remember? Uh, I think it was the smelling first before the fox. fox yeah. So the but fox is the final straw. Yeah. Yeah, the fox is the final straw, and um, they and. So Caroline decides she's going to leave. You know, she just can't do, can't deal with this whole thing going on. And of course, and, and, and Wade, rather than try to passionately make a good argument for her to stay, he just lets her go, right. which I, I felt I'm kind of torn on that. I kind of wish he did make a, they did have Schwarzenegger trying to make some sort of passionate statement to, to make her stay. But then I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that scene. On the one hand, it's, again, the concept of Wade sort of battling his inner torment and what he has to do in regards to his firstborn daughter, right. Maggie. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you – this is like your second marriage. I mean, I, I would have hoped that he would have tried to – try <laughs> to maybe – try to convince her a little more that, no, maybe you should stay and try to help make this work out a little bit. But I, no. Yeah, well, I don't think it's <laughs> – over per se, I just think that she just couldn't be in that situation anymore. And like, and I think, because I, I, I think, I think, I'm not 100% sure that Maggie was definitely from his first, from his first wife, but the two kids that she, that he had with his new wife, Caroline, I believe those were his, I think they were stepbrother and sister, correct? That's how I, I interpreted it. How did you interpret that? Um, well, I mean, like the two kids, right? The, 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 yeah. the two kids. That, yeah, I would say a stepbrother and stepsister. Right. So, okay. I mean, I, I, so I think that comes from the, from the, from, from the second wife, from the second wife. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, uh, I, and, and, and in a way they kind of, they kind of hint that, uh, the Caroline character is, you know, and, and Wade too is like very concerned for these two kids safety right. in regards to what may happen to Maggie. But, um, the fact that she's willing that that Caroline at this point in the story is doesn't want to stay around and she wants to leave and doesn't want to try to like you know help wade out with this you know <laughs> indicates that she doesn't she doesn't seem to think that this family has a, a chance of surviving with this situation sure. which but again like i i think that it would have been so more interesting if perhaps they 
had Schwarzenegger's character try to make some sort of like you know passionate plea, but then again, I, I they make the character going through these internal torments that uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm torn between the way how they presented this particular right. moment in the movie, but. Um, right. But, but now this this is we're getting very close to the end of the film right now. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, he so she then uh, Maggie makes a uh, phone call to her stepbrother and sister because she misses them and she basically this is her this is her saying goodbye. Yeah. This is her saying I love you. I'll miss you. You'll always be my heart, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and. We get Wade coming in, and Maggie is already kind of, I guess, drifting between, I, I don't want to say life and death, but yeah, life and death, or life mm-hmm. and the zombie, whatever it is, but yeah. full transformation, right? Life life and zombieism. Yeah, life and zombieism. Yes, there we go. That's that's the, that's the term I was trying to look for. <laughs> Hashtag zombieism. It's a thing. <laughs> You owe me a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so uh, uh, Wade, you know, um, was able to, to say, Maggie, don't leave yet. Don't don't go. Uh, he uh, was able to bring her back a little bit, and, but then tucks her in and goes downstairs and then sits in his chair with his shotgun waiting to do the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before we get to that part, there because we got because we have to explain this because okay. it comes up again during the finale, is that apparently Wade had decided to like fix up this garden area that their oh, yes. the first wife had, right? And you know, uh, um, there's a there's a bunch of daisies planted in there, which mm-hmm. adds a little bit of um um. Because, you know, because the entire area is like is is all the way how the forest area. Yeah, it's like almost dead. Well, in, in a way, I believe it's taking place during like during like during the um, the early fall, perhaps right. maybe. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. So but we get to see this very pleasing image of these white uh, petal daisies in this garden in contrast to the dead forest area where, you know, where they're at. And. Basically, Wade tells Maggie that he planted those to sort of keep the tradition alive oh, from yeah, he, the first he, he, from from the first marriage. Right. He he planted those daisies because they were his ex his old wife's favorite, and it was Maggie's favorite. And he planned those like two weeks before he went to go find her. Right. That, that okay. was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we should also mention. I don't think we did, but we never find out what happened to the first wife, did we? Like did she no. die of did she die of like I, cancer or a car accident or it's it's it, it, I don't think it was anything yeah it had to be something like that it was it wasn't apocalypse related or zombie yeah. apocalypse related well yeah. yeah 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 but I mean we we just never find out exactly what happened to her she just died yeah <laughs> it's well, like, like, like people do <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean like whenever you die it's like you know you you say to somebody oh well what happened um you know heart attack or stroke or yeah. cardiac arrest uh, cancer yeah um you know in the case of this movie she died <laughs> so that's all we get yeah. <laughs> i i well here's the thing is we we would like background a little background information but it's like in the major scope of things of what's happening right now and like it, it, for a viewer yes it, it's it, it could use for a little more info but 
for them, like, uh, they already know it. I'm like, she died. Well, they know yeah. it. They don't have to, like, go into, yeah. like, the full details. Right. But, and they, like I said, that's where I feel that um, maybe they could have had that during the scene where um, Caroline leaves Schwarzenegger's character. You know, like she wants to leave and, right. you know, they, they talk about that or whatever. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But anyways, but I'm mentioning this scene because uh, when we get to the ending... Uh, Maggie is pretty much fully become zombified mm-hmm. and she makes her way down the stairs yes. and she stops by, she stops by Wade who's sleeping in the, the on the chair right. with his trusty uh, wind shotgun next to him right? just in case if something happens, but he's asleep and you get the feeling that uh, she might slowly go over and kill him. But it's, it yes. turns out she, Decides to, what, she gives him like a kiss on the head. Yeah, she gives him a kiss on the forehead. She, yeah. What she does, she takes a long, like, think of like if you're smelling like a really great steak. <laughs> and, but you, you, yeah. get to, you get the feeling that she's going to take a nice big hunk of Arnie for the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't. She's like, she goes, <gasps> and then she like slightly, ever so slightly kisses him on the forehead. And then she walks up to the roof of their farmhouse <laughs> and this wakes up Wade and he finds the shotgun shell on the floor and he's like oh crap well I guess I have to go do this thing now I guess I don't, I don't know I don't know if Maggie dropped the shotgun shell as a thing like saying hey you know I'm ready kind of thing yeah. or if he just finds it there I, I would assume that she dropped it from her dress when she was walking out but anyway she heads up to the the roof of the farmhouse and we get this we get this long like um I wouldn't say slow motion, but dramatic. She does a swan dive off the the roof of the house. Uh, And before that, you see her through her clouded vision of her zombie eyes, flashbacks of her and her mother and Wade. Yeah. And then she hits the ground. We don't see it because, you know, her eyes close when she hits the ground, but, and that's it. So. uh, Yeah. And and that's the end. I mean, and, 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 you know, uh, that's not a bad ending, but yeah. I, I do wish that because it, it, before she falls, all of a sudden we do get the shot of, of Wade waking up and right. realizing she's not there. And then he runs out. And then, of course, it cuts to her on the roof and, she, you know, she does the slow fall and then and then it fades to black. And, you know, we're basically she's she's killed herself. Right. But but I do wish that it would have also have ended with like it, it fades. It fades out. And. Maybe uh, Wade's finishing burying her in the backyard, or maybe burying her in the back in the area next to the garden, and mm-hmm. then walking off solemnly. Yeah, maybe and, next to the and, daisies or the yeah, you know. and then deciding to finally leave the farm and go back to Caroline or something, and just you know, give it that kind of closure, like right, right, where it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it. it, it I get what they were doing for this, the, the emotional impact, and it does work. I'm not against it, but yeah. I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen a less that, sadder I, ending. <laughs> yeah, well, it still would be a sad ending, right? But, but I'm saying less sadder. <laughs> well, I'm saying giving closure to the Wade character a little right. bit. It just it it put it this it, the the actual ending in the movie is very anticlimactic in a way. Right. We know what happens to her, right? But I. But you still feel deep within you. You want that that final closure 
Right. For, at least for Arnold's character, because, <laughs> you know, he because in as much as what's horrible going on to Maggie, uh, Arnold's character is going through a lot of inner torment on what he has oh, to do. Yeah, for sure. So, so I would have loved to have seen what happened afterwards and how he handled himself. Wow. You know. But nevertheless, it's not a bad ending. I I don't hate no, it. So no. I mean, I, I I it 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 does end on a very very um, somber uh, note. Yep, somber note. The whole and movie's it, a somber note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole movie from beginning, middle, and end is a somber note. But it 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 makes its impact. So I don't hate the ending at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I guess we pretty much have gone through everything about this movie. Right. Right. And I, I I will give this movie a thumbs up, and I will recommend it. I think it should be checked out. Wow. Well, that's 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 very high praise from you, Christopher Koenig. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I I too will give it a uh, thumbs up. I I liked it, the movie a, a lot. Um. It's not it's not a feel good movie, but it's definitely a um, it's it's worth your time to, to check out. Yeah, it's it, and again, it's a change of pace from your typical zombie um, epic. Yeah, <laughs> that so comes if you're, out once if, you're in a while. So if you're looking for a zombie film with Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's not the same, you know, rigmarole. Uh, yeah. give, give this a check out. It's it's about 89, 80, 90 minutes or so. So it's 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 not that it doesn't it's not a big time waster. Um I do have six fun facts for the somber film <laughs> for Maggie. Um number one, Arnold Schwarzenegger played the role of Wade in the film for zero dollars after falling in love with the script. So there you go. Um number two, this is the lowest budget movie Arnold Schwarzenegger has appeared in since the original Terminator from 1984. Number three, the screenplay for this film was featured in the 2011 Blacklist, a list of the most liked and unmade scripts of that year. Uh, number four, the sheriff says Arnold's longtime catchphrase, I'll be back. <laughs> was, no, that's right. He did say that. Yeah, when speaking to Schwarzenegger's character. <laughs> it would have been funny. Uh, well, it would have been funny if it cut to a close up of Schwarzenegger doing like an eyebrow, one eyebrow raise. Like, wait, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. what? That's my line. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, you'll be back? Or, or, <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah, he's like, he's like, or. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five, Abigail Brenton's. This is Abigail Brenton's second zombie movie after Zombieland from 2019. Then she went on to do Zombieland 2. <laughs> um, uh, finally, this film was shot in 25 days, which we were, we were talking about the. Uh, you know, record, uh, the filming time, I think, wasn't it? Were you mentioning something about that? Yeah, I felt like because the camera work was all mostly handheld, I thought yeah. that it, I thought they did that because they didn't have a lot of shooting time. And I, and that's why I felt the uh, camera work looked a little rushed and, and hasty in some parts. So, well, Chris, 25 days. There's your. There's your yeah, uh... but Roger Corbin shot movies in 25 <laughs> days on, on a camera on fucking sticks. So, I mean, like, come on. Because they didn't have handhelds back then. No, they did. They just didn't use it as much. <laughs> they had handheld Aeroflexes back Cause, then. Because they were 300 pounds, Chris. <laughs> no, no, okay. I, I know. On a technical level, yes. If you, if back in the 50s, if you were using what was then known as the 35 millimeter Mitchell camera, yes, that thing weighed 300 pounds and you could not do handheld. <laughs> but they did have something back then called 35 millimeter Aeroflexes where you could okay. handheld shots. Chris, but, you're killing my joke. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. but <laughs> It's easy to do that thing where you go, why don't they change that? Well, they didn't have tripods back then or something like that. You're a tripod. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, the 25 days are right. Actually, that's that's not a bad. Yeah, that's actually not a bad shooting schedule, what? considering that um, I'm not I'm not trying to pick on him. But mm-hmm. um, those last couple of uh, Bruce Willis VOD movies like Out of Death and uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass, those movies were shot in like a week. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and, they, and, and they and they only had him for eight hours. <laughs> they had him for like a day, and they had him for like a day. And it's like, oh, and you, and, so I mean, twenty five days. That's like about what close to three weeks, maybe. It's yeah. not really a bad shooting schedule, well, well, especially with a minimalist cast and minimalist like yeah. locations. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. I can get so it they, done. Yeah, so they totally could have used tripods, yeah. uh, mostly yeah. on, the, on on this movie. Come on, uh, <laughs> you're a tripod. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm just looking at the logistics. I know, I know. <laughs> just you just want to kill my joke, Chris Canick, joke killer. <laughs> okay, it's what, it's what I do best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh, Christopher, you know what we're gonna do right now? What? We're going to head into the ever-elusive mailroom segment. Oh, we got some mail? We've got oh, some really? stuff. Yes. Oh, my God. All oh, right. Geez. So I let's head. hear it. <laughs> let's head there right now. Now, this is uh, new for me because, uh, well, new for us, because as you realize, dear listeners, uh, Christopher has uh, often putting out uh, some paid advertisements through our Facebook page or yeah. spots. So last yeah. month, um, a listener by the name, I believe, Clayton, I, I, I wish I still had the screenshot, but I actually lost all my information and pictures and screenshots and everything after 2019 because I didn't back up my iCloud on my phone and my phone got locked out. Long story short, I lost everything. But I'm but I digress. Um he said um he, he mentions that I uh, let's see here. He said that he loves our last season of Empire Pictures retrospective and it helps him get through long shifts and loves our longer episodes. So uh thank you for those kind words, sir. Oh thank God, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we've been able to do those long yeah, episodes. Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I really, I love that. I even liked what he said. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I believe his name is Clayton, and but that's what that. And, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's what he liked. He liked our retrospective. He he liked us. He liked our longer episodes, and he liked listening to us because we're about a three hour podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great though. Thank you, thank you, Clayton, for uh, liking our show. Yeah, yes. and, and and tell your friends too. Tell your friends. <laughs> uh, and this next one is from the post I made on a slash my slasher app account called Tim at that horror guy. Which, if you're a horror fan, I suggest you get this app. Anyway, I posted a picture of the Maggie poster and asked my followers to sound off below. And I got a response from uh, Caption Nemo. His response was, I thought it was heartbreaking. LOL. I saw it and enjoyed it. Uh, Definitely didn't expect an Arnold horror. The color uh, of the cover really sets the mood. And I just responded to him, my thoughts exactly, sir, for your opinion. 
Uh, thank you for your opinion. And finally, Christopher. Oh, my goodness. Some oh, hate no. mail. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I saved this one <laughs> for the uh, last. Uh, here, go for it. We got this one oh, about a week ago or two. Um, let's see here. I'm, I, I want to I get the tone just right. Hold on. <laughs> Let me ask a question. Before you get there, who is this directed to? Is this directed to you or me? No, it's you. Oh, go for it. Okay, I'm ready. If it was me, I'd just say fuck you, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't read it. No. Um, it starts out an email titled "Ghostbuster Afterlife." Oh, oh so, I knew it. So you, so you know where this is going already. Hello, Christopher from that horror show podcast. What the hell, dude? <laughs> this movie hit all the feels of the franchise. While it may have some plot holes and issues, it was a wonderful flick. Every film has its issue, issues. It's a well-crafted story for the most part, in my opinion. So in closing, while I respect your opinion in most other episodes oh, episodes and reviews, I cannot hear. So in regards to Into Afterlife, <laughs> it quotes, bite me, bite me, bite me. <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank you. Keep up the great job. Love THSP. Love you and Tim Chris. Both. All the best, Stephanie. So, Christopher, oh, care to, care to respond? Oh, Remember to well, be nice to our listener. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything mean. I I, I mean, I, I, you know what? Here's the thing. I get it if you want to look at that film as that, as part of the franchise. But mm. I, like I said before, I, I, I wanted it to be so much more and I wanted it to be a little more new in some aspects. But, right. you know... Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just too old fashioned in my traditionalism. And of course, it'll never it'll never change. But you know, at the same time, I I I stand by my other statement, which is if you find something about it that you loved, you know, good on you. <laughs> Stephanie, just, he's an old tripod mother effer. <laughs> I, know, I, I just I. I don't know what it is. I, I sometimes ask myself those things. Is it my age now? Is it just oh, because shit. Come on. So... You're younger than I am. Well, I know, but... Um... Well, it ain't saying much, but saying yeah. something. <laughs> I, I, I guess the brain... Again, I think, I, as I said before, I, you know, if it worked the first time, you know, there's no point in telling the story again. But, right. whatever, I... You know, if it does another movie, if another movie comes out about it, you know, they want to make it a franchise. And if the next one is better, and I guess I'll be checking it out. But, you know, if it ends up being like the Ghostbusters Afterlife, I'm <laughs> going to probably have bad things to say about it. <sighs> but it, you know what, though? I got to say, though, that's probably the nicest uh, hate, hate mail, mail I've ever gotten in my life. You know, yeah, she was very sweet. In, yeah, in very regards. sweet about it. So I, I, I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say so, about that person. <laughs> so, so in closing, thank you, Clayton. Thank you, Captain or Caption Nemo. Thank you, Stephanie, for reaching out to that horse show podcast and, and to be a part of our mailroom segment. Um, also, I would like to add that I was texting with our good friend and. Uh, Form, and, and not former, I shouldn't say, but in frequent guest, Christopher Burris about Maggie, and he said he absolutely enjoyed Maggie and, and loved it a lot. So that does it for our mailroom segment. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can always reach out to us at thathorshowpodcast at gmail.com and through our official Facebook page, Twitter account, and all that information will be listed in our show notes below. We look forward to hearing from you all. Uh, remember, be a part of the show. Uh, before we bounce, Chris, anything you'd like to add? Well, um, I would like to add that while summer is here, I hope Dave Rodriguez is listening because <laughs> Thanksgiving is just a stone's throw away, sir. So. 
<laughs> and in case any of you loyal fans out there uh, remember, um, you know, we we are totally working on trying to get a Thanksgiving themed horror episode. <laughs> I have it, and if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know what it is. Yes, yes. Which I'm, I'm not going to sure, say it again. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure Dave will be like, oh, I think I'm going to be on vacation that guy that day, fellas. But, uh, I'm shaving the cat. <laughs> yes. Also, I w- um, yes, to also remind our loyal listeners, um, while it is indeed great that we are putting promotional material out there to get our show uh, um more listeners uh we also hope that you our loyal listeners will be um uh well spread the word and uh, let your friends uh your family uh hell even your enemies know that we exist and <laughs> that you will inter- and that you will introduce us to them so um personally we yeah, like so to please, be awkward and weird <laughs> yes yes so please spread the good word that that horror show podcast is still here to stay we still have more fun episodes coming along in the future and uh, you know that's that's all I got to say about right. that. So, you know, Chris, I just I just popped in my head like that should be our new tagline: THSP, awkward and weird. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> oh god! All so, right. and, and uh, we're not going to give away yet what our next episode is. No, it's no, still under construction. But uh, rest assured, it's coming. So. <laughs> we're, we're we're working on it, and we we'll, we'll try to plan more in advance next time we promise <laughs> so for chris canning i'm tim kaza thank you for choosing to spend some time with us in our small part of the podcast sandbox we look forward to you reaching out to us we look forward to you listening to us uh just be good to each other love y'all good night thank you for listening to that horse show podcast season eight have a good night